Watch, watch Disney podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dudes Watch Disney episode thirteen. It's time to forget about your worries and your strife because it's. Time for the big heavy hitter, The Jungle Book. I'm Jake. And I'm Dustin. And I'm way excited for this episode. Because uh, childhood memories we often start out with, this was one of my favorites as a kid. Oh yeah, mine too. And coming off the last ep- episode that we did where we hated yeah. Sword and Stone, I'm super pumped for this one. Makes it look that much better. Uh, definitely. This is, this is a big quality jump from <laughs> movie to movie here. Part of the reason for that might have been that Walt Disney himself was very heavily involved in this film. Uh, if we want to go through sort of development here, the big development news for this is the departure of a man we've talked about a few different episodes now, uh, Bill Peet, who was a big animator and story developer from the beginning with uh, Disney Studios, and this film caused him to get in a big fight with Walt Disney and leave, because he went into this film the same thing he did with 101 Dalmatians and Sword in the Stone, which is he just wrote up the script treatment all by himself and had like very little supervision when he was doing it but then when he actually presented it to Walt Walt absolutely hated it so that led to a big argument and Pete left and then Walt got way involved in you know the development of this film and that that's pretty interesting because it's definitely a really quality film but the other interesting note is uh neither Bill Pete nor Walt Disney himself will be around to work on the films following this because this is also the last film Walt worked on before his death. Right. So. Died right before the movie was released. Right. So it's the last one that sort of has his thumbprint on it. But that's two obviously big names, one of them being the boss of the company, that are no longer around after this film, so it will be interesting to see if they sort of feel that change. Since we're talking about Walt, we should talk about what he wanted from this movie. He was really... It was really important to him that they have a hit. Now, you would think that would be important anytime you're making a movie. Like, <laughs> hey, we want people to like this movie. But uh, this time, he wanted to go all out for it. And what he told the crew was, uh, throw away the book. Uh, so <laughs> no reason to attach yourself to the original story. Do whatever you want. Uh, let's make it fun and, and interesting. Oh, and I'd say successfully he said that. Because what we definitely get is a fun and interesting film. That was the big... Uh, disagreement there between Pete and Disney was that uh, Pete was definitely trying to stick to some of the more some of the darker uh, thematic elements to the the book itself by Richard Kipling and that that was not what Disney wanted at all so uh, in fact one of the uh, the guys who worked on the story uh, Walt even handed him the book and said don't read this <laughs> right uh, so really wanted to hammer home we don't have to follow this story. We can use whatever characters we want from it or not use whatever we want from it and uh, go from there. And tonally, uh, even though the story is supposed to be about the dangers of being in the jungle, uh, it's really goofy along the way. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it doesn't feel dangerous for large parts of the film. Right. That's true. Um, one last note on Bill Pete. I went to his Wikipedia page to see sort of what his post-Disney career was. Yeah. Uh, he went into, you know, kept writing and illustrating, uh, released several children's books. Uh, and the titles of these made me laugh <laughs> because uh, he released several children's books called uh, Cappy Boppy, The Wump World, The Wing Ding Dilly, and Cyrus the Unsinkable Serpent. So those sound like some quality... Uh, yeah, literature. 
is Bill Pete also the guy who came up with the alternate names for Tramp and Lady and the Tramp? Because a lot of oh. those seem similar. <laughs> it might be. I'd have to look back on the notes yeah. for that one. Um, That's the kind of research we do on this. <laughs> right. But we think of something as we're recording it and don't actually, <laughs> you know, look it back up. But speaking of books, uh, I thought we might do something fun at the beginning of this episode. All right. Throughout the 80s and 90s, I uh, think some of our listeners, big Disney fans, might remember this. Disney actually released some choose-your-own-adventure books that were based on their films. And we owned one of these growing up. I think just one. The I only one I remember. This is the only one we had. Yeah. And it was The Jungle Book Adventure. And I thought it might be fun to uh, sort of go through this and see how we do. Right. You could give this a quick Google search if you, as you're listening. But the mm-hmm. way it appears uh, on the cover, you've got Mowgli and this other <laughs> other kid. Other boy. In, Looks a lot like Christopher Robin. Right. In a white t-shirt and blue shorts and some, like, Birkenstocks. <laughs> yeah. That he's, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But they're swinging through together. They got Bagheera underneath them and Baloo in the background just waving at the camera. Yeah. And so the way it works, uh, you know, it's you know how Choose Your Adventure works. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, yeah, I think that would be uh-huh. good to do through this episode. Maybe we should uh, start reading here, talk a little bit about the movie, mm-hmm. then jump to the next thing that happens. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But also, I like the, uh, when you open up the front cover here, you just get a lot of sketches of Disney characters. That's oh, yeah, pretty that fun. That is nice. But yeah. Uh, so do you need to read the, uh, it opens. It says read this first on right, the front Right, these page. are special instructions. Most books are about other people. This book is about you. Aww. And Mowgli. Oh, okay. Mowgli. What? <laughs> Mowgli, then in parentheses, rhymes with cow glee, C-O-W hyphen G-L-E-E. Oh, because that's a thing, and I looked this up on the uh, on the IMDb trivia. Apparently, the whole movie is pronounced wrong. It's supposed to be Mowgli. Okay. Nobody says that in right. the film. <laughs> yes, but apparently that's the pronunciation that Kipling wanted. Uh, now, why they didn't pronounce it that way in the movie and then insisted upon it in this uh, in this book, who knows? But Maybe Kipling had a hand in this, I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. I'm going to say Mowgli, because that's how I'm going to remember it. Mowgli is a little boy who was raised by wolves in the jungle. Whatever happens in this story depends on what you decide to do. Do not read this book from the front page through into the last page. Instead, start on page one and read until you come to your first choice. Decide what you want to do. Then turn to the page shown and see what happens. When you come to the end of the story, go back and try another choice. We won't be doing that. Every choice leads to a new adventure. You and Mowgli will have many exciting adventures in this jungle, but beware the man-hating tiger, Shere Khan. If you're ready for the first adventure, turn to page one. Let's go ahead and check out page one here. <laughs> page one uh, has a picture of a, a village and some huts on stilts and a uh, disproportionately large like... bird. Yeah. Uh, and macaw, uh, we maybe. see our kid in his short shorts and his shirt, including his top button buttoned, like a real dweeb. I don't know how this kid got lost in the desert. This appears to be a pretty clearly, or not, jungle, uh, pretty Anglo-looking kid. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, this. Uh, the film takes place in India, so yeah, I'm know. curious as to how He's this kid He's on vacation got here. in the colonies. I don't know what's going no, on here. It says you live in a small village at the edge uh, no, of the jungle. No, that kid does jungle. not live there. That is, no, they're lying from the start. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I, I'm the one reading us through this, by the way, because I think I remember this book a bit more than Dustin. So I'm going to have Dustin in charge of making our choices oh, while I, oh, I, good. I sort of DM this adventure. <laughs> you live in a small village at the edge of a deep, dark jungle. You've heard many strange and wonderful tales about the jungle and the animals who live there. Someday you hope to explore the jungle yourself. Turn to page two. 
We have a mongoose on this page. A, again, a giant mongoose. Now, maybe that's There's perspective, some, yeah. but... One day, you're standing outside your house when you see a baby mongoose. <laughs> he looks quite full-grown. It would make a great pet if you can catch it. That's a bad lesson right there. <laughs> I don't think you should be catching wild animals. There's no way I can catch a damn mongoose, right. so... The small furry animal dashes off. You race after it into the jungle. Oh, no. You run as fast as you can, but the speedy mongoose gets away. And now you're lost. As you look about, you hear a voice call, Hello there! A boy is waving to you from behind a tree. Go on to the next page. The boy comes over to you. I can see you are lost, he says. I'm lost too. Who are you, you ask? My name is Mowgli. <laughs> there is a sudden rustle of leaves. Then a deep growl comes... Then the dryer goes off. <laughs> then a deep growl comes from the bushes. It sounds like a tiger. Should you and Mowgli run? What if the tiger chases after you? Maybe you should hide, but the tiger might find you. If you run, turn to page four. If you hide, turn to page six. Well, what you think? I'm not very fast, so I feel like my best bet is to hide. You think hiding is so, the way to so go? So I'm going to hide. Also, this is a visual joke, but it appears as though the kid has some very sweaty armpits in this picture. Well, he's not used to this, uh, to this jungle he, environment. He lives there. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so we'll find out what happens as we... So we're on. hiding? Yeah, we're going to hide. And we'll come back to that later on in this episode, and we'll... I had to turn past the run option to get to the hide option, so I can see where we... what would have happened there. You see a small oh, cave oh, we're among... we're gonna keep going now. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, okay, I, I didn't... Just... And we'll come back later in this episode. You see a... didn't listen at all to what you oh. said, so... Speaking we'll of books, though, the film opens with the book uh, opening... Mm -hmm. sequence that we've seen in uh, some other stories, not that I've kept track of which ones. The good ones, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, Cinderella has it, I know that. Mm -hmm. Snow White did, Sleeping Beauty did. <laughs> not all good Peter ones. Pan? Probably. I don't know. I don't remember no, on Peter. Maybe not. Peter Pan, maybe not. Yeah. Either way, but if it's titled it. The Jungle Book, then we should open with the book. And right away, the music for this was already so nostalgic for me. Mm. Just the jungle, like ambiance song that they have playing right. through set most in, of the scenes. Set in India sounds like, do, 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 like do, do, snake charming music, perhaps. Yeah. Um, it also reminded me a lot of the NES Jungle Book video okay. game. Yeah, that was Because I think that was the opening music. Where we beat the first level and never <laughs> were able to do um, anything else. No, we did better than that because the second level you fight Ka. I remember that. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember swinging through vines and dying a lot. Yeah, not a great game. The Disney... It did sound... Uh, Bare Necessity sounded really cool in 8-bit, <laughs> though. Or... I imagine... I don't remember that, but uh, I'd imagine so. Yeah. video games that were made in the 90s if, general rule if they were made by capcom they were really fucking good and if they were made by like virgin i think was the other company not good at all and that's what who made the uh fucking jungle book game so other kids got to play aladdin on the super nintendo and it was great and we got that chance <laughs> so you've got the 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 music itself which sets which sets the scene but we also have uh, shots, or not shots, I guess, drawings of the huts mm -hmm. and the the trees and vines and everything in the jungle, really setting the scene for everything we're about to to uh, see in the movie itself. Mm -hmm. uh, also, the credits going by at this point, we see all the characters uh, 
the only note I wrote on the credit is the last character listed is just called the girl. Yeah. Which that that pretty much sums up all the female representation yeah, in we, this movie. We could just go ahead and mention this now. There is one female who gets to speak in this entire movie. Uh, there's the elephant wife. That, that's the one. Okay. Uh, the, the lady at the end sings. <laughs> She didn't have any dialogue, though. She's just singing to herself. Right. Uh, but, the, the, okay. the mother wolf who finds Mowgli and raises him never actually says anything. Only the only the father wolf does. Right. The only counter-argument I have to that is when... it Thematically, I think that works really well in terms of Mowgli seems to have never met any women before. Right. Because, uh, you know, he catches feelings at the end of the movie for the first girl he sees, and that sort of represents hey, I need to get to the man village because I'm in love and also this is where I belong and all that. Sure. But so I think if, a good way to mask that is by not having any... But if uh, if the wolves are going to take him in, you would think you'd want to develop that parental relationship a little bit. Right. Although they're also kicking him out, so maybe... Right. <laughs> we don't spend much time with the wolves because... Uh, we don't spend much time on anything in this movie. That's like, true. We move very was, quick. And I feel like, and I wrote this later on in, in my notes, but... The pacing of this movie is sort of what Alice in Wonderland should have been. Like, mm-hmm. the way it's changing all the time, similar yes. to Alice, but not in an annoying way, in a like, all right, now we're moving on to the next threat. And if the whole right. point of the story is all the different dangers you could face in the jungle, it makes sense to change mm-hmm. rapidly from, from event to event. Yeah, I think Alice uh, is a good film that this kind of pairs with, but also uh, Pinocchio. Uh, in a lot of ways try to do what this film does and executes a bit better, I think, in terms of, like, the world's dangerous out there, you're a small boy, we have to teach you, and then the boy just getting into a series of problems as he goes on. And conceptually similar to something like Little Red Riding Hood, like, you were safe at home, and now you're out in the woods by yourself, and these, you know, calamities occur. Right. Um, But yeah, so we're in the jungles of India, as we've established, and we open with... Uh, sort of our narrator throughout this film, Bagheera, who uh, is a big panther. He's out on his own, seemingly just lives by himself, doesn't seem to have any family or, you know, friends. I guess he has friends, but he just travels around the jungle, does his own thing. Confirmed bachelor Bagheera. <laughs> yes. Uh, he finds a baby on a boat. Uh, uh, yeah, he says the silence of the jungle was broken by the by the cry of the man-cub or whatever. Uh, this jungle is never silent. <laughs> that, and ever been to a zoo? Like, there is no, like, monkeys screaming. You've got, like, the... Yeah. The whole time, like... Just constantly in the I background. I don't believe the silence of the jungle was broken here. <laughs> well, it was broken by a noise you don't normally hear, okay. which is a man-cub baby cry. But yes, he, he finds the baby in a basket all by himself, and he knows, you know, he's going to die out here. I've got to find... I can't leave him here. i got to find something to do with him. And then he remembers that, oh, the wolf family nearby, yep. they've just had puppies. Plan and... A, send him to live with the wolves. Right. <laughs> Maternal instinct will prevent protect him. There are other females of other creatures out there. Like, why is plan A the wolves? He probably could have found someone gentler. Uh, you know, where it's like a family of turtles. He could have lived with them. Yeah. Much like I wrote in the beginning of 101 Dalmatians, uh... I would have sort of been interested to see how a, like, 2017 studio would take this on and try to do this scene without the narration we get from Bagheera, because we do a pretty good job of doing this, like, without dialogue in terms of, you know, we see Bagheera's confusion when he's picking up the baby, but then it turns to a smile, and then he's, like, looking around, like, I gotta help him, 
and then even when he takes them to the uh, the wolf family, like he sees the puppies are all you know playing and the the moms there with him, and he's like, they'll you know I know that I can rely on the maternal instinct here to the mom will definitely take to this kid, but then he turns to like a concerned face and looks at the dad. And you could do all this without Bagheera's narration, like leading us from place to place. But you could even do it with uh, similar to like Peter and the Wolf, where you had different animal themes yeah. playing or mus- you know musical cues for each. Now, uh, I think character. there is a little bit of that. Do you think it's odd? And we already talked about how she doesn't get to speak. But that Bagheera doesn't talk to the wolves about this plan. There's no like, I'm going to leave him with you because I can't take care of him. Or blah, yeah. blah. It's just, well, I'll just leave it there. Like go, someone else's problem now. To make it like, cry. Yeah, Bagheera, as a good Samaritan here, is questionable. Like he starts helping and right. he has a plan, but doesn't like he just assumes the wolves will take care of him. Right. Well, he is concerned about the dad wolf because uh, I don't know the classic Disney deadbeat dad trope <laughs> that we saw in Bambi. <laughs> it was like, oh, the mom will like him, but I don't know about this dad over here. Yeah, you know how dads hate children, <laughs> right? But right away we see the dad's face goes from confusion to like a happy smile. And then it's like, oh, okay, the wolves are going to raise this kid. I did good, says Bagheera. And then ten years go by. We Mm -hmm. are told that Bagheera has been going back to talk to Mowgli in that time and going on walks or whatever. The first thing I wrote was, ten years later, parentheses, do wolves live that long? (laughs) Question mark. Yeah, I don't know. uh, We'll just keep going with that. Uh, Yeah, we established he's the... Mowgli's been, well, his name's Mowgli, spoilers, or Mowgli. Uh, he's been raised by these wolves. He gets along great with the kids. They're like brothers. But uh, then we jump to, uh-oh, we got to have a big secret council because the, the dreaded tiger Shere Khan has made his way back into this part of the jungle. And all of the wolves have to get together and talk about this because they know a few things about Shere Khan. One, he's nothing to fuck with, and two, he hates man and anything that would grow up to be a man. So right away, they the wolf the wolf council knows that this uh, this man cub can't live with the wolf family anymore. Even even if he is uh, entitled to the protection of the wolf pack, they're even they're no match for Shere Khan himself, and so. Yeah, we see the wolf pack here almost as like a, a, a mob family here of like, in they know they have strength and that they, in theory, Mowgli's a made man and needs to be protected <laughs> or whatever, but they know they don't want war with Shere Khan and it's easier for them and better for their business, I guess, their business being the, the survival of right, the pack. living. Uh, to just not have any conflict with Shere Khan and cast Mowgli out. Right. Not really fair to Mowgli. Um, right. And this isn't decided by Mowgli's father figure, uh, Rami, I think was his name. The, right. The wolf dad. You know, there's there's some sort of uh, wolf godfather on top of the, uh, the rock here debating this situation. Speaking of the godfather, what we have here at the beginning of the movie, we introduce Shere Khan... And we talk about what a threat he is and how yes. bad he is and all and all that. And we don't actually get to see him until later in the movie. Now, in The Godfather, you see him right away. But they that movie does a great job of defining his character without either... Showing. Without showing or... Until they have to, I guess. Right. And uh, sort of like in the scene where uh, Luca Brazzi is rehearsing what he's going to say in front of godfather and yeah. he's like talking to himself and he's a huge man but he's scared and nervous or whatever and doesn't and really wants to get it right before he goes in there that's sort of establishing the power and and aura of uh of don uh, corleone yeah. right 
And so that's sort of what we're doing here with Shere Khan as well. Like, we're not showing him yet, but we're already talking about this pack can't right. protect, you know, this one tiger can take out the whole wolf pack. Right. Uh, yeah, in a way, that's really a great way of showing rather than telling, because Shere Khan's not on screen, he's not even in this part of the jungle yet, but we can see how everyone else reacts to him and reacts to the news that he's coming. And since we've already mentioned him, we can contrast this with Madame Mim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and both of them show up well into the movie. Right. Uh, nearly an hour in. I mean, it's 40 plus minutes in, in Shere Khan's case. Yeah, I think it was 47. I wrote it down. But we've talked about him the whole way through. Right. Like, this is why Mowgli has to go on his trip. This is why... He's uh, the driving force, basically. Yeah. His presence. Yeah, and everyone's talked about how scary and dangerous he is. And so when he finally does appear on screen, you don't just go, oh, look, that tiger, he's pretty, right. whatever. Or like, even, uh-oh, a tiger. It's, yeah. oh, fuck, it's Shere Khan, who exactly. we've established who he is for 45 minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. As opposed to Madame Mim, who's just, don't go in there, there's an evil witch. Right, and, just randomly. And uh, then she has to sing a song saying, hey, everyone, I'm Madame Mim. <laughs> right, so it would be like, imagine if... Uh, in like Lord of the Rings, we don't ever talk about uh, Sauron right. or orcs or anything bad, <laughs> and they just randomly show up. Like, oh shit, bad guys! We're what just going hell? on a walk in like, the woods, yeah. and then swarm of Urukai. <laughs> right, but they establish from the beginning, like right. this guy's really bad, and right. he's going coming for this ring, and we got to get out of here. Same. That was a really lame explanation of something that takes hundreds of pages. No, that's basically what Elrond like said he's, at, the, at the council. He's really bad, and we got to get out. We got to go, baby. He's coming for my ring, and I got to go. I got to go to Maldo. But one of the things that walk into Maldo, baby. I would have loved to see Dusty Rhodes perform one of the rings. But here I am, my buddy Samwise. And I said, Samwise Gamgee. Saruman. You put hard times on the dream, baby. <laughs> on the Middle Earth dream. <laughs> Son of a gardener. <laughs> I offered up my innocence, and I got repaid with scorn. When you turned your back on me, it's gonna be shameful, Thalmor. <laughs> well, Jungle Book. <laughs> uh, how about we get back to the choose-your-own-adventure? Uh, yeah, might as well. <laughs> Okay, so With we were on Spoilers, page six. this won't be the only time we talk about uh, Tolkien in this episode. Oh, I thought you were going to say Dusty Rhodes. Well, that, that's a given in any episode. You see a small cave among some rocks and crawl into it. Mowgli scampers in after you. What are you doing alone in the jungle, you whisper? Oh, what are you doing alone in the jungle, you whisper to Mowgli, once you are safely inside. I have been raised by wolves, he replies, but I had to leave Mother Wolf and my wolf brothers because Shere Khan, the man-hating tiger, is back in the jungle now. I must leave the jungle or he will eat me. So I guess this is a midquel that takes place after leaving Bagheera and Baloo, but before being depressed with all the vultures. Alternate universe. Right. And I suppose he would come after you too, Mowgli continues. You look just like me. Not at all. You're very (laughs) Aryan. Are you from a man village? Before you can answer, you hear sniffing and shuffling sounds. The sounds come closer and closer, right up to the entrance of the cave. It must be the tiger. Turn to page 12. We don't get a choice. Turn to page 12. A giant paw slowly enters your hiding place. You and Mowgli shrink back into the cave. Then the paw disappears and a furry brown face peeks in. He's clearly gray. A happy voice says, hello there. It's not a tiger, it's a bear. Baloo, Mowgli shouts, my friend. Baloo invites you and Mowgli to come play with him. You'll make great bears, he says. I can tell. So I guess this is straight up alternate universe. 
I just like to point out that it's very clear Jake has not ever read to children before, as he's not letting me see any of these pictures. Like, this is a bareface picture book, but I can't see any of the pictures because Jake is selfishly <laughs> holding them in front of his face. Our next threat is going to be bees. I see so. that from now that I can see the pictures. Soon you and Mowgli are having as much fun as two bear cubs. When you come to a tall tree with a beehive high in the branches, you start to climb up. You want to taste the delicious honey. Don't let the bear do this instead. <laughs> I do like honey. Be careful, Mowgli says. The bees don't like to lose their honey. They might sting you. What should you do? If you keep climbing the page, turn to page 16. If you listen to Mowgli, turn to page 20. I think I'll listen to Mowgli. I'm not a good climber. Okay. I'm going to get a sneak peek of this, and then we'll go back to our decision. Did you ever, did you ever climb trees as a kid? <laughs> no. No, me either. I am not an athletic person and wasn't as a kid right. either. <laughs> so Dusty Rhodes is going to take the ring to, to Mordor and... Uh, what uh, <laughs> shit? Um, he's being casted out by the he's wolf being pack. casted out. Yeah. Bagheera, who is listening in on this, who is omnipresent in this jungle, apparently, he sort of says, "Hey, I understand. He's got to go back to the village, or he's got to get out of here. I know a man village nearby. I'll take him there. He, you know, we're friends. We go on walks in the jungle. He'll have no problem coming with me." I don't. Why doesn't Bagheera just take care of Mowgli himself? Like. He's still a part of his life and is coming to visit him all the time. Like, right? Is this more Disney Deadbeat Dad? Like, he wants to go Maybe. and have his fun and then play with Mowgli when he can. But then we don't back. ever see him. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to change diapers or do any of that kind of. Sure. You know, like actually raising him. He just wants to show up and have fun with him every now and then. What does Bagheera do for fun? I don't. <laughs> other know. than just walk around. I don't know. Because we never see him, like, hey, looking for some ladies or anything like that. No, I don't know that that's his thing. Like, he does uh, suggest marriage with Baloo later in the movie. <laughs> I did kind of wonder about that. If that's where, and I don't know, that's where I was going with the confirmed bachelor Bagheera, but I don't know. <laughs> Mowgli goes on this walk with Bagheera, but sort of says, like, sort of figures out that they're getting pretty far away from his house, and Bagheera has to say, yeah. You know, we're not going back. I'm taking you to a man village, which leads to a disagreement between them because Mowgli doesn't want to leave the jungle, saying, you know, no, I'm not afraid. It's not dangerous out there. I got this. Like, why do we have to leave? Bagheera is being the responsible one here. He knows Mowgli doesn't belong here. He knows the danger of the situation. And this conversation really kind of sets their characters. And then the rest of the film is just kind of reestablishing that throughout uh but we get some silliness where, you know, it's it's bedtime, we gotta climb a tree. And Mowgli is not well equipped equipped for climbing trees, because he doesn't have any claws, so he has to, like, bear hug it and, like, scoot his butt up as quick as he can. <laughs> Bagheera basically ends up shoving him up there, and then we get the funny image of Mowgli, like, stepping all over Bagheera's face as he's trying to <laughs> get up on the branch. That really did make me laugh a lot. <laughs> but then, once we get in the tree, we get the first appearance of Ka, the snake. And Ka is a threat, but sort of like we were saying earlier, sort of a silly threat. Yeah. And given, I mean, this would have come out before Winnie the Pooh, but I can't hear Ka without <laughs> hearing Winnie the Pooh. And this is like, what if Winnie the Pooh was a serial killer? Like, that's what's <laughs> happening here. It's really disturbing and <laughs> weird. Right. Same, Sterling Holloway does the voice. Right, and, and, and sounds like it's Winnie the Pooh. Like, that's right. Winnie, the, why is Winnie being so mean? Like, is what's going on here. But, you know, he's so, like, with the with the lisp and the, like, just the ridiculousness of right. Ka. We do get a fun conversation here where, uh, you know, Bagheera's going to sleep. He doesn't know this is happening. Ka is, you know, using his eyes to sort of hypnotize Mowgli, which we see throughout the film. That's sort of his defining feature. Uh, 
Mowgli's fighting back, and he's like, oh, go away and leave me alone. And then we pan over to Bagheera, like, saying, like, oh, that's just what I should do, but... <laughs> then we get Mowgli getting slowly hypnotized and tied up by the snake, and, oh, we sort of see a bit of danger in the jungle for Mowgli. It's a small threat. You know, it's not the tiger we've established, but it's like, hey, here's another thing that could kill you. Yeah. And Mowgli is clearly needs Bagheera's help to get out of the situation, because, you know, he's... Ka is about to put his head in his mouth when Bagheera wakes up and smacks him and sort of saves the day. And I guess from a storytelling standpoint, this is what you want. You don't want to do too much of the same thing. Like, you want different kinds of dangers. Right. Different types of, of bad guys. Uh, and I think you want to slowly escalate as well. Like, right. You don't want to start out with that, the big scary thing. Yeah, I mean, Ka is a is a problem and could could right. kill Mowgli, but you don't want him to be the biggest, scariest thing out there. Right. And if he's going to be big and scary, he needs aspects that are different than Shere Khan's that's, scariness. That's also why he's the first boss in the video game and not the final boss. Right. And we do circle back to Ka later on in yes. the movie, and he gets to be more of a threat the second time around than this time. But similar to, like, uh, The Hobbit, if we want to go back to that. Like, go on. There oh, are is this the first adventure with the trolls? or Yeah, or I'm thinking specifically of the movie where they made the uh, the underground, or the trolls too, that works too, where they're, mm. they're threats, but they're dumb and they're yeah. sort of silly. It's sort of the first thing that Bill right, has to so conquer. Right, and then they run into the Goblin King, and I think in the book it's more of a serious threat than in the movie where he's so ridiculous yeah uh, where because they're not meant to be the main threat the main threat is you know these uh these orcs that are coming after them and all this other stuff uh and later on Gollum. but here but you know so there are threats but they're sort of not fully the i don't know what i want to say they're, they're threats minor but threats. they're not the like the full-blown yeah is that a band that is a band i didn't know uh, they basically came up with Straight Edge and, you know, big punk band. I oh, okay. I don't never listen to them or anything, but minor threat. Uh, but yeah, do you want to talk about the Hobbit movies? <laughs> Just while we're on the subject. Okay. Um, I... Because it was a series I enjoyed and then progressively enjoyed less as they went on. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I think part of the allure of the book is, you know, that it is sort of playful and the narrator's voice is a lot of fun. Right. And you lose that in, Going in the movie. movie. Yeah. And then expanding a 150-page book into... into... Well, it, it's trying to make it an epic. But Hobbit's, The Hobbit is not an epic in the book form. Right. So, like, there's some things I like, or there's some things that it made sense to expand on, like, you know, Thorin himself and all of his reason for fighting and the wars in his past and all yeah. that. That all came off And well. some of the stuff is just, like, fan service, like throwing in Radagast for no real reason. Yeah. Um, and then, like, well, what if one of the dwarves had a love story with an elf lady? Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> what if we'll... we put as much Legolas in it as possible because people know him? <laughs> yeah. And... So, like, that kind of stuff is weird. Yeah. I like the sort of the, the White Council or whatever it's... Uh, is that what they're called? Yeah. The, yeah. I like that, get, I think, right. other than... Gandalf and Saruman and Galadriel is there. Yeah. Even though I don't think she's part of the White but Council. But that's a weird, like, Gandalf-Galadriel relationship. Yeah. That's... I don't know. It's, it's strange. I, I like the Hobbit movies. And, like, mm -hmm. the scene in the first one where they're in the barrels, like, escaping from the elves that's and the stuff. One. Is it in the second one? That's the second one, yeah. I thought it was the first one. first one ends before they get to Mirkwood. In the second one, then, with the <laughs> barrels, like, that is a, that's a good scene. lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, like, watching in the theater was just like, oh, what's going to happen next? Right. Thing, you know? And watching it in IMAX, too, so it was, like, really... Yeah. 
big and so we saw that together didn't we I, I saw so the first one with Jack. Might have yeah, I didn't see the you, first yeah. one with you because yeah. I saw that. Because the first one, I didn't see the first part because they took so long making the hot dog. <laughs> oh, the damn hot that, dog. Yeah, I missed the first ten minutes of the movie, and I was like, oh, I thought, uh, I thought Frodo was supposed to be in this movie at some point. Like, where, where did that happen? Ugh. And then, uh, yeah, messed up. But then the third movie like just keeps going <laughs> with like and a million decapitations in the third movie like you go yeah. back and watch that movie and count the decapitations <laughs> like i don't know what's up with that it's like super kicks in an indie wrestling show like <laughs> or on raw now since that's right. just what we do and also the thing about the third movie that i thought was the dumbest is uh there's a fucking random line in the book where bilbo's like i'll prove it to the dwarves i'll show them i'm so good uh, even if i have to go fight the wild wereworms in the last desert that's the only men- mention of fucking wereworm anywhere. We don't establish what that is. And then all of a sudden, when it's time to fight in the third movie, like, how are the goblins going to show up? Giant fucking tunneling worms out of nowhere that we'll never talk about again. Yeah. That was so stupid and random. It was. Yeah, a little bit. For people who enjoy The Hobbit, I found the best telling of The Hobbit story was actually in The Hobbit video game they released in 2002-ish. Never played it, but enjoyed watching you play it. Yeah. The cutscenes basically summed up everything you wanted to know. And did so in a more modern way than, like, the 70s cartoon did. The greatest (laughs) adventure is what lies ahead. That should have been in the movies. Should have at some point. The greatest adventure (laughs) is over here on page 20 where we left off. Now, if you'll remember, I've just crawled into... No, no, what if I... I didn't crawl in... I crawled in a cave. We met Baloo. I decided not to climb the tree because I'm bad at climbing. Uh, and so something else is going to happen to me now, I'm sure. You climb down, leaving the honey behind. Follow mm-hmm. me, says Baloo. Just then, two big monkeys swing down from the trees. Oh, come on! They grab Mowgli and carry him off. Baloo, what should we do, you cry. Let's go after him, answers Baloo. I'll think of some way to rescue Mowgli. You trail the monkeys to the ruins of an ancient... So I don't get the choice of, like, leave Mowgli behind? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you have to follow him. You trail the monkeys to the ruins of an ancient temple. You watch as they march Mowgli before their king, Louis. Man-cub, King Louis says, tell me the secret of man's red flower. Man's red flower, repeats Mowgli. I don't know the secret. Louis must be talking about fire. The jungle animals are so afraid of fire that they'll never call it by its proper name. Is that established? <laughs> it's Voldemort. <laughs> you don't know, King Louis roars. Then I must punish you. But first we shall have a feast. Music, what? he shouts. As the music begins, a big lady ape passes before the king and waves to him. Louis jumps up and dances with her. This is a thing I didn't pick up on in the film. Was Baloo in disguise supposed to be a lady? <laughs> Because I didn't pick up on that. I, don't know, I did want to talk about his disguise, when, <laughs> but I thought we'd wait till we got there. But yeah, well, you can see that the lady ape is really Baloo in disguise, but the monkeys don't know that. When you think no one is looking, you grab Mowgli and run, but some of the monkeys chase after you. You scramble through the temple ruins. Ahead of you is a fierce-looking statue atop a broken column. I guess it's that. Mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. fierce-looking. Yeah. Looks kind of like the shrine of the silver monkey in Legends of the Hidden Temple. With an angry face. Mm-hmm. If you put a thwomp face on the front yeah, of it. basically. Uh, if you can get the statue down, you might be able to frighten the monkeys away with it. Why? They live here. Surely they know what it looks like. <laughs> then you see a way up to the roof of the temple. Maybe it would be better to hide up there. If you try to get hold of the statue, turn to page 40. If you climb to the temple roof, turn to page 34. I think I'm gonna... I'm gonna use the statue. Yeah? So go to... We've established you're not a good climber. Right, yeah. So let's go to 40. 
and let's return to the story. Uh, Ka hypnotizes both Mowgli and... Uh, well, it starts with just Mowgli. Yes. And then Bagheera wakes up and realizes what's going on, uh, saves Mowgli, uh, only to get hypnotized himself. At which point Mowgli kicks Ka out of the uh, tree and causes him to get a knot in his tail. He's <laughs> got a knot in his tail. <laughs> which uh, shows that despite his overconfidence and, uh, you know blatantly dangerous optimism at times. Mowgli does have a, you know, pretty good sense of taking care of himself, getting him out of hairy situations. He's He was resourceful enough to save Bagheera. So it's important to learn that he's not completely an idiot. Like, he is he is foolish to think that he can handle everything in the jungle, Naive, but he's actually yeah. pretty good at handling himself. Ka's body, we'll find out throughout the course of this movie, uh, is basically an old radio soundboard and can make any any variety <laughs> of noises. It makes a nice squeaky sound as he like bed springs or whatever as he's uh, as he's moving away. Right, he well, turns into like a accordion with the uh... right that happens, mm-hmm. and then he makes a squeaky noise as he goes away. And later on in the movie, when uh, Shere Khan grabs him, it makes a doorbell sound. Of course, that's true. When he pulls like, on his tail, <laughs> he's got a knot in his tail. Yep. Uh, so yeah. Basically, the scene established, you know, right after Mowgli says he can look out for himself, this happened. So it's very easy to see, you know, responsible Bagheera's point of view of you don't need to be in this jungle, especially not by yourself. We need to get you back to where we go. Uh, this was, uh, was around this point, but throughout the film, I found it very hard to take notes because I was like really enthralled watching it. Like it'd been mm-hmm. a long time since I watched this movie and I was just like, oh, this is so fun. Like it's such a cast of characters already. And that continues as we meet the military elephants on the uh, the Dawn Patrol, as Bagheera calls him, uh, led by Colonel Hathi. How are you supposed to say? I think Hathi. Hathi. Okay. Who we? we it's s- apparently uh, how you say elephant in really uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever Punjab. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, interesting. Like all the animal names that we like, blue is bear and Bagheera oh. is panther. That was the thing I never looked up. Khan means king. Like Genghis Khan. That would make sense. Colonel Hati is pretty fun. We uh, got to hear his voice actor doing something I don't recall at this point in the previous film. Uh, I don't know. His character, to me, seems similar to uh, the dog that keeps talking about all reliable in Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, just kind of forgetful, and uh, I don't know that it's the same guy. It's but, not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did argue on and on about what, right. who did what voice. In uh, Sword in the Stone. Yeah. I, I've re-listened to that, so those those conversations are fresher in my mind. Yeah. Also, I thought it was haughty, like full of himself, arrogant haughty, but it's apparently H-A-T-H-I. Yeah. Um, which uh, I guess is pronounced the same, but spelled differently. We get the fun of, you know, the big military march here with the loo, 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 loo. And then they're marching through the forest and he yells, you know, company halt. And we get uh, also the silliness of Mowgli starts, you know, marching with the elephants. We get to see him like uh, down on all fours behind. There's a there's a little kid elephant at the back of the line. And little kid elephant voiced by Cliff Howard, uh, Ron Howard's brother. Uh, OK. Appears in all of Ron's movies. Um, I would probably know him by sight. I Goofy looking dude. Seen a whole lot of Ron Howard movies, actually. I've seen The Grinch. I know he did that. Well, he's in that. Yeah. I want to say he's like the mailman in that. Okay. Uh, I've seen Arrested Development. I don't think Ron Howard made that, but he did a voice. He was the narrator. 
I mean, he has, like, cameos in all of his movies. Right. Uh, I'm assuming he would have been quite young when this came out, because this is still, like, you know, Andy Griffith kid, Ron Howard, right? That would have been the time frame. Well, there's apparently a million people named Cliff Howard, but it's the that guy and that guy. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. That's that's good radio there. That's good podcast. <laughs> it's this guy. Look at the oh, picture. I remember this guy. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, the, you have the little elephant training Mowgli on what he's supposed mm-hmm. to do. Uh, Mowgli blends in. Apparently, Mowgli's just really good at blending. Like he blended <laughs> into the wolf pack. Right. Uh, wolf pack is back, causing mass destruction. I thought a lot of next this... to <laughs> the bad boys wrestling. I thought a lot of this movie's humor uh, came from, you know, having a small boy act like various animals, like Mowgli trying to climb a tree like a panther, having him walk on all fours. Uh, but it ne- at no point did it ever feel like you know cute for the sake of cute. Like right. Well, we're just doing this to make the kids laugh. And he's just trying to, to blend. Well, and not just trying to blend. Like, he's gotten by this far by uh, adapting, adapting and right. just doing what everyone else is doing. Right. Uh, it's not like he's seen another man before. Right. Human before. But, it, I mean, it's a good context. We get our cute in there, but we fit it in a good context in a way that other kids' movies and other Disney movies we've seen haven't always done and I think that counts as, like, another little thing of, like, why this plot fits together so well. The elephants are perhaps the best example of the difference in tone between uh, this uh, cartoon in 1967 and the recent live-action version of the movie. With the way the elephants are treated in this movie as, you know, they're goofy and marching along and whatever. Versus, like, the elephants in the live-action movie, which are sort of revered and not yeah. not really worshipped but definitely revered as sort of the the kings of the jungle or whatever Shere Khan is the one you don't want to mess with but even Shere Khan wouldn't mess with these elephants like that is true yeah I just watched the live action one the one time I don't yeah, me too remember that much about the elephants well, they, they they don't they just kind of walk by at various points, but then yeah. everyone, like, stops and, like, bows down to them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie put a lot less silly into it than this one, I think. I yeah. think they kept all their silly for B- Baloo in general. Well, and uh, Louie with uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, yeah. you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah. So those two get to be the silly. Ka is Not less silly yeah. at all, from what I recall. Scarlett Johansson. Right. Uh, so we see the elephants. Uh, Colonel Hati is a blowhard. Right. Uh, we also get a butt thing, because he, he slaps, uh, his wife on her ass. (laughs) Right. We get a few butt things. Right. (laughs) Just a few butt things. That's one of my titles. But yeah. A few butt things. What are you here for? I'm here for a few butt things. You know, that film where, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson's like, you can't handle the truth. A few butt things. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wondered where you were going with that. Jack Nicholson and a few butt things. I didn't know. It was a stretch. As good as it gets. That's the tagline. <laughs> it was a stretch. Oh, boy. This is a strange conversation. Anyway, so yeah, he slaps her in the ass. and He's like, oh, dress up that line back there and smacks the nearest elephant on the ass and then goes, oh, uh, sorry. Winfred. Later on in the same scene when they're told to turn a certain direction before they start walking, their faces are shoved up the ass of the elephant next Not to them. up. <laughs> Just into. Okay. But, uh, right. And then that happens again when they turn around. And, right. Yeah, just a lot of... I wonder if... And we'll notice this. is This is the last movie, you know, that Walt had such a thumbprint on. Will the butt if things, the butt go, things away, go away? The butt humor. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's another another trope we'll have to look for going forward. 
going forward mm. or further <laughs> or furthered. Um, we get uh, lots of like pop culture humor in this, which this is. I think this movie we've seen the most of that so far from what we've seen in these other releases. I guess we got a little with Merlin in the last film, but not a whole lot. But like, you know, big blowhard army leader. Uh, there's one elephant that has like a hippie haircut and he's like, oh, dress up that hair or something. And then, you know, gives him a flat top haircut and just silliness like And we that. get more pop culture later on with the vultures, which right. are supposed to be uh, like the Beatles. Right. So this is definitely the first time that we are embracing pop culture. And maybe that's the Walt saying, do whatever you got to do to make this a hit. Like maybe could be. we could be, this is Walt Disney's attitude era <laughs> uh, of just like, <laughs> Throw we'll try in. anything and like just do things we wouldn't have you right. know, done before. Well, and we're only a little bit into the film, but I don't think there's many misses with throw, sort of throwing everything out there. I mean, there's misses in the sense that like they wanted the Beatles and couldn't get them, but... There's not like, oh, that joke really fell flat, at least right. in my opinion. And then the sort of uh, joke later on with the elephants uh, where Winifred, you know, says maybe she should be in charge or whatever. Mm. And uh, women are normally in charge. Like, it's the the female elephant is in the elephant, one that's in... That's, uh, in elephant culture. <laughs> that's, that's the head of the... Uh, Interesting. Herd. I don't know what they're called. I think herd. Pod. I don't know. Maybe. But, uh, so yeah, that's... It's a Pride. little bit of a layered I, elephant joke there. Yeah. Of, I, there's you act if you know, you know elephant science, then you know hey women are normally in charge. That here's a woman saying I should be in charge, and it's not just a '60s joke of oh I won't let a woman lead my army, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is also that at the same time. Bagheera and Mowgli get in another argument here, and uh, you know Mowgli again. Bagheera says, "Oh, you you know gonna." get yourself in trouble messing with these elephants, we need to go back to the man village, and Mowgli says no, and they end up, he actually hugs a tree, and Mowgli, or Bagheera just kind of pulls on him, trying to pull him away, and then ends up falling in the stream and getting pissed. So that's Bagheera and Mowgli officially split up at this point, and Mowgli is alone. Yeah, and this part, especially, uh, the animation of Mowgli and the drawing of Mowgli looks a little cheap. Yeah, there are times where he's walking around here, which is like, we didn't put a lot of work into this. Right. There is a bit, there's several reused animations yeah, that... in the film itself and stuff from previous films, and uh, we can tell. And I don't think the other animals, the other characters, look look cheap in the way that they're mm-hmm. done. There's just, just Mowgli himself. I don't know, at, at certain times. but Interesting. Because uh, it does feel like we're working on a budget at times. I think we mask that as much as we can, but there's times when it looks kind of sketchy. But I, I did learn that they did the animation differently in this film than how they normally do it. Apparently, their setup before was normally put like one animator in charge of one character. So any of their scenes, that animator would be doing it. Mm-hmm. Which seems like it would help a character stay consistent throughout the movie. Seems like it would, but in this film they did it differently because there's so many characters... Each scene usually has four to five characters interacting with each other. Mm. So because of that, they had, like, different scene people. So maybe that could be why. But now Mowgli's alone again, but he's not alone in our adventure. Oh, yes. Because he's still with his little Christopher Robin friend. So when we last left the adventure, I had decided to use the statue to uh, distract the monkeys Mm -hmm. or smash them. I don't know what the plan was exactly. (laughs) I think scare them with a scary face. I hope Mowgli and I can iron that out. (laughs) 
Well, we'll see what happens. You and Mowgli tug at the statue with all your might. The monkeys are getting closer. Finally, you're holding the statue. Just as you're about to try to frighten the monkeys, there's a loud groaning sound. The temple starts to shake and shudder. The monkeys' wild dancing and jumping were too much for the old temple. It comes crashing down with a roar. You and Mowgli find yourself buried under tons of stone and dirt. Do you think Baloo will find us, you ask Mowgli? I hope so, he answers with a sigh. But all the same, I think we had better be ready to stay here for a long time. The end. Oh. Collapse. This is, like, in the picture, there's, like, three blocks of cement. Like, yes. how could we not get up? I don't know how you got buried in this situation. I'm confused. This is, like, in uh, Men in Tights, when Little John almost drowns in that little stream, <laughs> and he's like, I can't swim. Yeah, it's a lot like Men in Tights. Yes. <laughs> so that's our first bad end. Uh, I suppose we could back up and see what else happened if you didn't grab the statue. That might be where we go next. So Mowgli, like you said, would not be alone for long. Because mm-hmm, here comes the comic relief. Uh, we get to see Baloo the Bear. And Baloo is basically what I think of when I think of Disney. Like, we've had Tinkerbell and we've had Jiminy Cricket as sort of mascots. But I think Baloo should be, at least from what we've seen so far, like the number one fun-loving, whimsical, singing a song, like, Disney mascot of... And not just to say he's all, like, fun and games. Like, he's a fleshed-out character, you know, because we get to see his sort of story arc go through. But he is a totally carefree bear that every kid watching could be like, Ah, I want to hang out with Baloo! Like, that looks so fun! You know, and he gets to sing the catchiest song that we... Right. Blue is voiced by Phil Harris. Correct. Uh, who we'll hear in a couple other Disney movies as mm-hmm. well, uh, like Robin Hood and uh, Aristocats. Yep, he's in both of those. But uh, he has a fantastic voice. <clears throat> right. He sort of sounds like if you mixed Frank Sinatra and John Wayne. I feel like that's where you'd end up. Yeah, that's actually uh, pretty close. Like Sinatra, he was a singer and right. actor. A comedian and... as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big novelty hit, The Thing. I actually listened to that today. While I was walking down the beach one bright and sunny day, I saw a great big wooden box floating in the bay. I pulled it in and opened it up, and much to my surprise, ooh, I discovered a right before my eyes, ooh, I discovered a... Right before my eyes, I picked it up and ran to town as happy as a king. I took it to a guy I knew who'd buy most anything. But this is what he hollered at me as I walked in his shop. Oh, get out of here with that. Before I call a cop. Oh, get out of here with that. Before I call a cop. Yeah. Uh, this is a great one. Yeah, because this wasn't a thing I knew, not growing up in the 50s, but growing up with this movie. But, like, yeah, we actually pulled into, like, famous you know, celebrities at the time doing voices for this film and not just the regular, you know, Disney voice acting crew. Phil Harris is one of them. And like, if you haven't seen any Phil Harris stuff, like it's worth looking up on YouTube, like lots of novelty songs and just, you know, silly stand up bits. and Right. And a voice, you know, that's a part of your childhood. If you had any childhood worth having. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, like that's, that's a, you know, a voice that makes you feel good inside when you hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently Phil Harris was born Wonga Phil Phil Harris, his first name W O N G A. Huh. Uh, Wonga Wonga Phil Wonga Philip Harris. Yeah, uh, yeah. He apparently got into this film because Walt Disney met him at a party. Oh, <laughs> so like, go. which also feels like a very Vince McMahon thing of just like, hey, you're cool. Come be in my my movie. Yeah. 
So we'll make you the star. He sings the most famous uh, song from this movie and one of the most famous Disney songs mm-hmm. uh, of all time with Bare Necessities. Yep. Uh, and as this is going, the song itself is fantastic. And if you hear it, you'll be whistling it or humming it for, you know, at least the next month. Right. But... Uh, <laughs> As it's going on, we get some characterization of Baloo, right. uh, where he is unaware of the dangers he keeps putting yes. Mowgli into, where he lifts the rock, and the rock almost falls right. on him. He's and... so carefree, he doesn't re- realize, you know, the danger that he's presenting to Mowgli, because... And we get that even before the film starts, because, like, he's sort of... Or not before the film. We get that even before the song starts, mm-hmm. because he's sort of, like, teaching Mowgli how to fight like a bear, he says. Right. And then... And he knocks the crap out of him. <laughs> right. Uh, Bagheera shows up again to watch this as it's happening, and he says, like, oh, you know, great first lesson. How do you expect him to remember it if you... Right. Know, after you've yeah. concussed him or whatever. And even though Mowgli was actually raised by the wolves... Bagheera and Baloo sort of take over uh, the parental roles of, right. of Mowgli, but they each have to learn something, right? Baloo has to learn uh, you can't just have fun all the time. You have right. to, you know, take care of him and do what's best for Mowgli and put right. Mowgli first. Bagheera has to learn to lighten up a little bit. Uh, and by the end of the movie, spoilers, they he will. both um, do, right? right. They, both they both meet both in the middle of it. make the responsible decision of giving him, you know, back to the village and... Right. Uh, uh, but it's, and you can tell a good story by the number of characters who uh, come out differently than they went into the story. Like it's mm-hmm. not just the main character that goes on a journey in this. Right. Uh, Blue and Bagheera both learn throughout the movie. Yeah, and change. Our, our three main characters have that change. Um, right. This even isn't the like... elephants have that change. Like Colonel Hati, Colonel Hati does as well because yeah. he will get to that scene in a minute. But he sort of realizes one, listen to my wife, and two pay attention to other like i'm not the most important person here i need to worry about right. what else is going on compared to sword in the stone <clears throat> uh who learned a lesson in that film <laughs> uh maybe uh i don't even remember his name uh arthur's adopted stepbrother uh yeah hector no i think no, that was the dad uh, yeah uh, i could go back Kane. Like Kane. it was Kane. because yeah, i thought that's got to be Kane. right yeah um, so okay, maybe. Um, yeah, so we get to see Baloo, his heart's in the right place, even if he doesn't sort of realize. It honestly reminded me a lot of the Boy Meets World episode where uh, Eric meets a woman who has a baby and, like, starts dating oh, yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, oh, even though he's, like, the least responsible, like, 19-year-old kid or whatever, he's mm-hmm. like, no, I can I can take care of this kid, and they get along great because he's a fun dad. Right. Not really a dad, but... you can't be that all the time, right. and eventually... And yeah. he learns that lesson as the film, or as the episode goes on. Uh, I don't know why, that's what I thought of. When, even that episode, I don't think I've seen in four to five years. No, but that's it's very good. Yeah. So, Baloo, Reckless, Mowgli, Unaware of Danger, Bags, Nervous. Bags? Bagheera. Bagheera. Bags. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's how you summarize what's going on here. There's another fun uh, fun zinger here, that like sort of like what we got in uh, it's cause Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. With, uh, you know, this dress looks awful. That's because it's on you, dear. We get Baloo sort of presenting his case. No, I can be Mowgli's father. I'll learn him all I know. And then Bagheera with classic comeback. Oh, that shouldn't take long. <laughs> good, good, good writing right there. I wonder if there are shippers of uh, oh, surely of Bagheera and Baloo. Like, I mean, they sort of walk off arm in arm at the end, starting right, their, and, their uh, new life together. Like, right. And later on, when uh, I've never seen Jungle Book two, but I assume <laughs> that it's uh, 
the two of them have taken in another man cub to raise as their I, own. I don't know about that, but I assume they're still, you know, off living together. But uh, not that you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, obviously, <laughs> but we want to talk about bare necessities before we move away from the scene because I mean, I, I, we said it's one of the greatest ever. Well, it is stuck a, in your head. A stone cold Disney. Now, now I hear Steve Austin sing it, but okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure Edge and Christian guy could do that. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, like, yeah, it's stuck in my head all day. Perfectly encapsulates everything about Baloo. We get to see how carefree he is, but also, like, how that's not the best. And then, yeah, just a timeless song, I felt. And even if there were no other music in this movie, like, that song would be enough to carry it to a really high music score, in my opinion. But... This carefree scene is quickly led to more danger because... One last bare necessity <clears throat> thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the inspiration uh, for Elton John in making uh, Akuna Matata. That was sort of, he wanted a similar, and they are pretty much the same idea. Very similar songs, uh, yeah. So, but he wanted something that would be, that would sound like that. Now, Elton, if you know anything about him, doesn't write lyrics, uh, but he only writes music. Um, so he's taking someone else's lyrics to do that. But musically, he wanted to make a song that felt like Bare yeah. Necessities and I think succeeded. Yeah, it feels like an Elton John version. But right, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not all jazzy like, you know, Bare no. Necessities well, is. But but yeah, that's, uh, and very, both songs kind of present the same thing of, you know, Carefree is great, but then the main character learns Carefree isn't what, you can't be Carefree all the time. you have to care. Yeah. Right. Before we get to the monkeys, I guess we'll jump back to our monkeys and the, the adventure here. Uh, grabbing the statue didn't work out so well, so we want to try climbing on the temple roof All right, and see let's what happens. Say, uh, maybe there's a ladder around back that I climbed up <laughs> maybe. instead. I gotta go to page now 34 going to for the, that. Uh, the temple roof. I don't want to die before we meet any of the other characters. It's possible that we'll just die in this one, too. I remember most of them end in death. We do. Oh, okay. Uh, we're swinging on vines in the uh, image, and then now it says the end on the next page. So what's... Oh, okay. You reach the roof of the temple. There's no place to hide, but vines are hanging down from the trees all around you. Quick, Mowgli, you cry. Grab a vine. We can swing away. Each of you grabs a stout vine. You sail through the air to a tree and grab another vine. Soon you and Mowgli are swinging through the jungle, leaving the temple and the monkeys far behind. Seems like monkeys would be able to follow you on vines, but whatever. When you finally stop to rest on a branch high up in a tree, you see your village below. It would be so much fun if you came back to my village with me, you tell Mowgli. Mowgli thinks for a while and then says, All right, I'll come. <laughs> That's the least Mowgli fucking sentence ever. Uh, yeah, but this is like Earth 2 Mowgli. This right. is, you know, it's totally different. I would like to see how men live, and I don't want to lose a good friend like you. You smile, you feel the same way, the end. Oh, how nice. I guess we won on that one because we made it back to yeah. the village. Well, that's good. Might be fun to thumb through this and see other various deaths. <laughs> Here's a fun image of you squished between two elephants. <laughs> but yeah, so we escaped the monkeys there, but this is where the monkeys arrive in this film. You know, Baloo's sort of floating on his back in the water, and Mowgli's resting on his chest, and then we go behind some some flowers, and then when we come back, Mowgli's not there this anymore. This scene is funny, too, because mm-hmm. there's a fly buzzing around uh, Baloo's nose. Hey, Mowgli, why don't you knock that little fly off my face? <laughs> the monkey... Wax the hell out of Baloo's uh, snout. Right. With a total, like, cowbell sound effect of, like, bonk as uh-huh. soon as he hits him. And then he's like, oh, when you flick a fly, you really... And then he realizes that the monkey's there. Have there ever been good monkeys in a film? Like, any film I watched as a kid presented monkeys as complete turd assholes. Like, uh, <coughs> there's this... 
Dunstan checks in. I, like, I guess I never watched. I don't know. There's this movie. There's the Rugrats movie. There's fucking Jumanji. Like they all portrayed monkeys as they will ruin everything well, and probably kill you. Symbols of mischief, right? I guess. Um, but I don't know. Like some kids, I think, grew up thinking, oh. Like, oh, monkey in around. Like, aren't monkeys fun? Like, monkeys are never fun. But even in, uh, you know, ten monkeys jumping on a bed. I, that's fun, I guess. But they get but, hurt no, that's and what I'm learn saying. a lesson. See, yeah. uh, no more monkeys jumping on the bed. Mm. Well, the monkeys take themselves out in that one, I guess. At least they're not injuring a innocent kid. I don't know. So, a uh, bunch of monkeys whose leader is King Louis, who's mm-hmm. not a monkey. He's, He's an orangutan. Yeah. But uh, another celebrity voice here, we get... How do you pronounce his name? Prima. Louis Prima. Oh, okay. I, don't remember, I guess I didn't write that down, because that didn't sound familiar. We uh, Well, originally, <clears throat> they had Louis Armstrong record, Did they? and then they thought, in a rare moment of like awareness, they were yeah. like, well, I don't know if we want the head monkey to be a black man. I don't know if that's that a good look for us. Strangely, yeah. The monkey was still accused of being racist, right. uh, because... Of it is some a, of his mannerisms, mm-hmm. but that's most of the uh, animal. Most of the characters in the story are based off the way that their voice actor looks. Like that was something they tried to do. Mm-hmm. And the guy that they used, Louis Prima, uh, is a white man, uh, an Italian uh, man or of Italian descent. I think he was born in the U.S., mm-hmm. but uh, has some of these jazzy mannerisms. Also, jazz singer, um, right? It, it isn't helped by the fact that, you know, it's a monkey singing a song with lyrics of, like, I want to be like you. <laughs> right, yeah. But, uh, I, I've read this argument before, though, yeah, it seems. It can be construed as quite quite racist. Uh, but a really fun song that we get here from King mm-hmm. Louis, uh, who wants the... Another one that'll stick in your head all day. And he this is sort of well thought out here. He wants fire uh, because... It will pr- protect him from Shere Khan, right? Like, that's the thing that Khan is afraid of, we find out as the movie goes on. Yeah. Does he uh, ever say that out loud? Or is it just uh, maybe I we left to infer myself. that? But the, why else would he want it? Like, well, uh, yes, he wants that. Uh, and he also says, like, I want to go to the man village. I want to stroll in and be a man and all that. I think he realizes... I, I don't know that he's specifically thinking about Shere Khan as a threat. But no. it'd, it'd be good if that was still in his mind. But I think he also... I see him as more of a conqueror, like... Because he's already the king of these monkeys. He seems to have grown bored with that. Uh, he says he wants to go to the man village. I assume he wants to become a king there, too, is mm. what I took. Of, Maybe. like, you know, he's seeking more power. So, uh, fire would bring him that. I don't know. And he sings a song that explains that, filled with all kinds of scatting. And right. that was all improvised by he and, and Phil Harris. Although, uh, because of scheduling conflicts, they were never in studio at the same time, which no. seems sort of surprising given how much of that song is improvised with all the scatting. It seems like a bit were... of a missed opportunity, too, because I right. bet they'd be fun together. But they this never guy, uh, worked it out. Musician in his own right, uh, mm-hmm. I guess most famously known as for doing the original uh just a gigolo which was that and uh, i think the first uh, jump jive and whale i think oh, really? that was him too i didn't i didn't even know that <laughs> research i'm pretty sure but i also list just a gigolo later covered by david lee roth in the 80s uh which listening to the two i now vastly prefer the original to the david lee roth version like it's way better in my opinion and just a gigolo everywhere i go People know the part I'm playing Paid for every dance Selling each romance Oh, what they say And there will come a day And youth will pass away 
What will they say about me? When the end comes, I know there's just a trickle dose. Life goes on without me, cause I ain't got nobody. Oh, and there's nobody just for me. There's nobody just for me. I'm so sad and lonely. Sad and lonely, sad and lonely. Want some sweet mama? Come take a chance with me, 'cause I ain't so bad then. It is him. Okay, and also Jump Jive and Whale, which I don't think I've heard since I was like eight, so. But yeah, on, on a King Louie note here, uh, it was around this point, uh, sort of getting into a villain discussion. We still haven't seen Shere Khan yet, but even so, we've sort of established a trifecta of villains, but they're not all the same kind of villain. Like, they're all very distinct and fleshed out, and uh, we don't really see Louis do anything that villainous. I think it's more like the threat that he's about to do something villainous. Yeah, he's sort of a, I'd say he's a tweener. Yeah. More than the... I guess so. But, like, the the characters we've seen, like, you know, Ka was our first villain. He's sneaky and ultimately just wants to eat. Like, that's his motivation. Uh, Louis, we know his motivation. Like, he wants... And we can infer even more about his <laughs> motivation. But, like, he wants to be a man. He wants fire. He wants, uh, you know, he wants the things he doesn't have and wants to use that. And he sort of represents kind of a deal with the devil kind of situation here with Mowgli of, like... You know, you want this, you want to live in the forest forever, I can give that to you, but I need this from you, and Mowgli's not in a great position to negotiate because he's surrounded by monkeys and everything. We already talked about uh, the wolf pack being sort of a a mob family, but this also has the same Mm -hmm. sort of, he's making him an offer here. Right, well, and he is the king of the monkeys. And from a position of strength where Mowgli's already surrounded and basically has to accept. Right. But even so, he still knows how to, like you know, make it look like he's given something Mowgli wants when right. he's like, here, have a banana, and, you know, making him have, sort of having a, the fun song to go with it and everything, like Mowgli's dancing along. Right, so Bagheera and Baloo arrive to try to save him. Uh, Baloo gets distracted by that great beat. Right. And, but has a plan that could have worked. Right. Uh, he disguises disguise. himself. A very convincing, hilarious disguise of splitting a coconut and putting it over his mouth mm-hmm. and uh, making a grass skirt, which is, I guess, why it's supposed to be a female ape, I guess, because right. he's wearing a skirt. They do but... dance together, but I thought that was love of dancing and not, oh, a woman. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah, that bear looks just like an ape. <laughs> he fits in. And this then we is... get the big sing-along, the do da do do ba do uh, if we wanted to go with a different wrestling angle here, this is the machines. This is Hulk machine and giant machine, and that was early WWF deal. Where, like, something happened where, like, I don't know the full story. There was, like, a loser. It's sort of like Loser Dusty. leaves Towns, come back, puts on a mask. Right. And so there was giant machine, which is clearly Andre the Giant, oh. and Hulk machine, and, like... I've never actually seen this angle, so... Okay. I don't worry. <laughs> but it's you know, it's basically the uh, Midnight Rider and Dusty Rhodes, which I didn't know he did twice. I didn't know he did in Florida and then did oh, again that with the Crockett's. Uh, that's even better. <laughs> if I, I really wish Kevin Sullivan was like there and being like, no, don't fall for it. I know. We get the big sing-along, which uh, I definitely remember and maybe audiences here with me on this. I want to say like 
2002, 2003, maybe around there, Disney did a release of, like, the popular bands of the era doing Disney mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. Uh, and I never owned that, but I saw the commercial for it a million times, and I'm pretty fucking sure Smash Mouth did this song. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, too. <laughs> Which I don't know that I want to hear again. I was trying to decide if it was them or Fallout Boy, but... I don't think maybe that happened later. I don't think they would have been a thing when I was watching Disney, okay, so... So maybe it was Smash Mouth. I think it's Smash Mouth going, do ba do. What is the name of the song? Wanna Be Like I You? I Wanna Be Like You. Somebody once told me I wanna be like you. Yep, I want to be like you, Smash Mouth. God damn it. <laughs> Disney Mania was the album. Superstar artists sing Disney Excuse their me. way. <laughs> Superstar artists featuring Baja men singing Akuna Matata. <laughs> Bowling for Soup doing the bare necessities. Ooh. Jessica Simpson, part of your world. Aaron Carter, I just can't wait to be king. Oh. Oh, sure, you'll be. That's an actual big star. Why does this have like a reggae beat? It appears the Bowling for Soup one after this ad is on Disney Mania 3. Oh, so, there are multiple ones. Yeah. Raven Simone did Under the Sea. AJ or Allie and AJ Zippity Doodah. The Ooh, Cheetah hell. Girls. <laughs> Jonas Brothers. I want to be like you. On That's Disney, probably better. On Disney, Disney Mania Five. This is the bare necessities. Acoustic white guy bear necessities sounds like the worst. <laughs> Selena Gomez, Corella Deville, Deville, Deville. Baja minutes. <laughs> they brought back the Baja men. They didn't have much going on. Jesse McCartney, the second star to the right. Oh God, this is horrible. <laughs> Fucking me first in the Gimme Gimmies doing Disney songs. All right, let's see if the Joe Bros did any better. Miley Cyrus, part of your world. Jonas Brothers, Yo-Ho, a pirate's life for me. I'd like to point out that Dustin is headbanging while this is happening. <laughs> just imagine some, like, nine-year-old girl that thinks she's just totally punk rock right. uh, listening to that song. She has the, like, weird socks on her forearms. <laughs> I don't think they're socks, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, um, equally punk rock. You know, socks on your forearm. That's a thing. I'm going to look for the super machines. Okay. Uh, while you're doing that, the temple is collapsing after the big sing-along. And uh, there's some reused animation bits in here, too. Like the uh, Begiras. We get sort of a tug-of-war here where everyone's running away with Mowgli, which this animation itself is later reused in Robin Hood. But while... Isn't know, it... Wasn't it originally from, like, the... When did the... 
Toad. Wind in the Willows. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah, we right. did get that. The... They tugged a war with the, you the know, deed. The, the or deed. Whatever. Yeah. Now we're doing it with Mowgli. Um, and at one point, Bagheera's, Bagheera's got Mowgli. No, King Louis got Mowgli. And Bagheera's chasing him. And Baloo shows up with a stick. Like, I'm going to hit him, but... Louis gets through and Bagheera hits, or no, Baloo hits Bagheera in the head, which is, that was from the fucking goober henchman of Cruella de Vil in 101 Dalmatians. I'll finish. Go ahead. That's pretty much all I got. Okay. <clears throat> After feuding intensely with Andre for more than a year, Bobby Heenan's Heenan family challenged Andre and a partner of his choice to face King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd in a tag team match on April 15th. And then Dustin and Jake talked about 80s pro wrestling for the next five minutes. Okay, so back well, on track. No, because nope. while you were doing that, I started thumbing through this book because our adventure has ended, but I wanted to see all the other dumb endings. Mm-hmm. This one would have been the most appropriate for Dustin. Uh, oh no, I see bananas everywhere. <laughs> Since you have the secret of fire, the monkeys kick out King Louis and make you their new king. Oh. But I don't want to be king, you said. What? The, the monkeys pay no attention. They drag you to Louis' throne and seat you on it. Then they choose the biggest and meanest looking monkey to be your personal guard. I wouldn't mind. Nice. I wouldn't mind being a king, you think, but not the king of the monkeys. <laughs> the monkeys bring you a gift, a big bunch of bananas. You sit very still, staring at the gift. The giant monkey glares at you. They're all waiting for you to eat the royal bananas, and the truth is, you hate bananas. <gasps> the end. Would have been great. I don't remember ever getting that one as a child. <laughs> Here's one where you're getting killed by Ka. Um, I guess Shere Khan gets jobbed out. No, oh, well, there's one where you die. Oh, good. So somehow we made it through and got one death, but then the good ending. This is another way to get home, is riding on the elephants. And then I, Okay, so there appear to be three good endings and maybe three bad endings. That so. makes sense. So we sing uh, until Baloo's disguise falls off, mm-hmm. and... The, the temple collapses. Then the fight is on, and right. they collapse. We and, have to and... escape into the forest again. Uh, it's, you know, night's falling as this is going on, so we realize everyone has black eyes from the fight. and Which, rapidly healing, because they they're do. gone by the end of the scene. They do. But the good part about this scene is sort of, they sort of tuck Mowgli in to go to sleep. Uh, Bagheera says something like, oh, I hope you're proud of yourself, or something like that. And then we cut to Mowgli saying, sleeping, but saying, scooby-dooby-dooby-doo in his sleep right. or something. And, you know... Baloo has like a yeah, that's my boy this kind is a, of a really reaction. important scene where Bagheera is finally able to get through to Baloo, right. you know, the dangers. Baloo finally understands but doesn't want to have the conversation himself. Right. Well, and the good thing I was gonna say is as this whole scene's going on, it's slowly becoming daytime in the background. Yeah. You know, implying the conversation lasted all night or implying that night lasts but ten minutes. Right. <laughs> but it's a big moment for Baloo where he, you know, finally Right decides, you know, right. he knows he has to do what's best for Mowgli. We get the rational argument of uh, Baloo saying, oh, you know, I lost him, but can a guy make one mistake? And Bagheera says, not in the jungle. Not in the jungle. Which is and very true. doesn't say this, but not with a kid could have also been the, also the other response right. uh, to that. And this is where Bagheera brings up Shere Khan again and says, like, he's after the boy. He's back in the, you know, the, this part of the jungle. And we also get the you wouldn't marry a panther would you line right which makes which makes sense when Bagheera says it it kind of you know explains that's not the natural order of things 
Blue only remembers certain parts <laughs> right. of it later and, and can't. Uh, yeah, I can get a good look at my butcher by sticking my head up his ass. <laughs> yes, he's blue as Chris Farley. Yes. He can't quite get in many ways. Uh, but, you know, Blue, after hearing about Shere Khan, realizes the actual danger. He knows even he can't stop Shere Khan from getting to the boy. So he makes excuses of like, well, he's not a man, he's a boy, but Shere Khan, you know, Bagheera says Shere Khan hates anything, he'll become a man, Shere Khan won't see it that way, he'll just mm-hmm. see the threats. And so, you know, after a night of arguing arguing between the two parents here, they come to a decision, and Baloo has to be the one to tell him because he won't listen to Bagheera, so... Now we get downtrodden Baloo taking, you know, optimistic-ass Mowgli on a long walk while he tries to figure out how to tell him. And even so, we still get... We get to see Mowgli's still humming bare necessities. He's all excited. And he, like, this was a really great note. He goes up to a tree and hits it and catches the banana, like, the same way we saw Baloo do during bare necessities. So Baloo sees this, like, ah. You know, he's already thinking of him as a son. He's seeing, you know, he's learning from Baloo. And it, it just makes the conversation he has to have even that much harder, which I thought was really well established, yeah. you know, just by showing that. It's a heartbreaking scene uh, mm-hmm. for Baloo. Yeah. And then we get, to, you know, he finally says, no, I have to take you back to the man village right. and we get a fight. And... You're right, Mowgli, you know, you're just like Bagheera. Like, yeah. Which is something that would have been hurtful to Blue, who's so playful and to be, you know, you're just square like Bagheera or whatever, but he's doing the right thing. And... Right. And and even so, we get to see now he's lost, but now we're panicking way more than we did when he ran away from Bagheera. I don't think Bagheera actually was leaving when they had that fight earlier like i think he was just like a well i'll be back mm. you know because something's gonna go wrong and then you know i'll still be nearby enough to you know protect Mowgli. but he needs to learn this lesson i think was bagheera's thing but now Mowgli's actually gotten away baloo mm. doesn't know where he went and we get to see baloo panicking uh which you know we're really hammering home the danger of the situation because share khan's out there and you know his panicking really shows to the audience like we need to be worried because Mowgli's lost and this is at this moment you know we hammer this home even more because the next scene is the introduction of Shere Khan so we go right from here's the danger by the way now we're cutting to the thing we're afraid of and he's not far mm-hmm. and like you said 47 minutes in first appearance of the villain but unlike Madame Mim it, we've his real first appearance was two minutes in or whatever, because that's when the right. danger was first established. So with established. her, you're like, what the hell is this shit? Where with Shere Khan, you're like, oh, no. Now like, he's here. Yeah. And his first appearance is him stalking a deer, which is, you know, right away, here's the danger he represents. He's going to eat this deer, just like he'll do with Mowgli when he sees him. Right. But, he stops, the elephants arrive. Right. And he, Scare the deer away. He listens to them for right. a while. Yeah, because we also see, like, he's not just dangerous you know because of claws and teeth but he's we get to see sort of his intellect here because he sticks around and listens to the elephants and learns Mowgli's in the forest Mowgli has run away Mowgli's all alone and we get to see him like smile and react to this news yeah contrast that with uh totally different in in Bambi or whatever when man is in the forest (laughs) oh man and a flower is is okay with it oh (laughs) man you say uh yeah bagheera is still around so he has a conversation with colonel hathi and uh this is where we sort of get hathi's uh sort of story arc completed i guess because he's like oh the boys he needs to go back to the man village like i'm not worried and then bagheera's like but he's lost share khan's out there we have to do something about it and you know hathi starts 
waxing poetic about the war again, and that's when his wife steps up and says, hey, what would you say if our son was out there? This is the same thing, and sort of establishes, like, okay, fine, you know, I understand now, I have to help look for this, and then we get the elephants going to search for uh, Mowgli on their own, which there's not really a payoff to establishing this, but we had a character learn a lesson, I guess, because the elephants aren't the one that find Mowgli, but... Mm-hmm. I guess Baloo and Bagheera show up to Mowgli later, so maybe the elephants found out where he was and sent them, but that's never really explained. Yeah, I don't know. But then now we get uh, Mowgli alone again, and the first person he runs into is Ka, uh, all by himself this time. He doesn't have Bagheera to help him. I don't know, this was a moment where I felt like we were... We have an encounter that doesn't seem to bring much to the table at first. Like, we've already seen Ka... Right, and sort of disappointing, because what we've seen earlier from Mowgli is that he's able to adapt quickly and do what everyone else is doing. Right. But even though he knows Ka is a threat from his earlier interaction with him... He falls for it again. (laughs) Yeah, he falls for it again, which doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the story. Not so much. And we get Ka's song, uh, Trust in Me, which is probably the most forgettable song of the film, I'd say. It's snooze fest, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the lyrics are all filled with S S words, which Mm. I thought was good, but that was about it. The rest is just Sterling Holloway making, you know, hypnotize eyes at the camera. Up, down, touch the ground. (laughs) Yeah. But where this scene pays off, though, is now we get to see two villains interacting with each other because Shere Khan arrives at this scene and has a conversation with Ka. And I thought everything about this was really well done because... We, we know what these characters already are, and this scene is like, okay, you know how they act, here's how they act with each other. Ka is clearly terrified, and he's trying to, like, again, it's another kind of mob boss thing, where it's like, he's trying to, like, sneak his way out of this. We get to see his, like, sniveling nature, making excuses, blatantly lying to Khan, but, and Shere Khan knows that he's lying to him, too, like, clearly, but he's still, uh you know, flexing his muscles, threatening him, and, uh, because, you know, he knows that Ka was just singing, uh, he can assume that he at least knows where Mowgli is if he doesn't currently have him or has already eaten him. So we get to see, you know, not only are we seeing how the good guys are afraid of Shere Khan, even the bad guys are also afraid of him, and I don't know, it was a really good scene just for establishing how scary this dude is. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing to say. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're right. It was. I enjoy watching villains interact with each other any time that happens, right. where you get the like, you know, that they're just waiting for the opportunity to turn on the other one. But yeah. even though I know you're a big fan of the secret bad guy meeting, where everyone's mm-hmm. on the same side, yes, these villains true. all have their own agendas, motivations yeah. and agendas. Yeah, but you know, he checks Ka. He checks the. <laughs> the front, the back, and the middle. Right. Um, well, even because Khan says, like, uh, you know, you were singing up there. And he's like, yeah. oh, I was singing to myself, you know. And he's like, oh, sounded like you had someone else, uh, you know. Do you have any idea where the man cub is? And Ka says, search me. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he's like, excellent idea. And then right. <clears throat> squeezes him up to we, find uh, any, any lumps there. Now that we have heard Shere Khan's voice, I feel it's perfect for the character. Definitely. Not a guy they used in any other Disney movies. I don't know. I think he was an actor in his own right. Yeah, George but not he Sanders was his uh, name. I don't know. He was apparently the first Mr. Freeze uh, in the Batman TV How show. How about that? Uh, not a guy they used again, which I think is probably good, so that that voice remains the Shere Khan voice instead of, uh, you know, any 
you Shere Khan, he's also the butler in this one. Or That's you know. true, yeah. It would be weird to see him as a different... Right, sort of like Lady Tremaine and uh, the bad guy in Sleeping Beauty. What's her Gaston? name? Gaston? No, Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Bad guy, it's Maleficent. Yeah, Maleficent and uh, Lady Tremaine have the same voice, but then that woman is also the voice of a flower in Alice in Wonderland, and it's yeah. like, okay, you're just... You're just a rose? Oh, all right. I was trying to see if I knew any of these other film But we also get a, a great moment here where Khan, where, where Ka tries to use his tricks on Khan, and he just palm faces him and smashes his head on the ground. Like, <laughs> no, we're not doing that shit. Yeah. Like, not here to play games. Right. Well, and that also is a good way to show he clearly outranks Ka, because this thing that worked on even Bagheera right. does not work on well, Shere Khan. Maybe it could have worked if he actually, but he knew to not right. look him in the eye and, yeah. and deal with it. Like, no. Right. Well, and it's very clearly, like, the boot to the throat. Like, you are underneath me. I have all the power here. Right. Yeah. I've, I know your tricks. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the fun moment of, like, uh... Ka does get away, Shere Khan's like, but you will report to me if you see him, all that, and leaves. And then Ka sort of goes, oh, how can he be hunting that poor, helpless boy? And then he smiles and goes, wait, oh, yes, the poor, helpless boy. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, I'm going to go eat him. Apparently Ka, in the original story, is not necessarily a bad guy. Ka actually helps Mowgli escape from the monkeys. Uh, Doesn't, uh, apparently doesn't try to eat Mowgli. Uh, There's a hyena that tries to eat Mowgli. I think it's a hyena. Some other creature that tries to eat him that they ended up getting getting rid of in the movie uh, and combining with Ka. But it would be interesting to see Disney portray a snake as a good character. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't see that happening. Well, I don't know that he was totally good. Like, I think he still is manipulative or whatever. Yeah. He's just not... He doesn't try to eat him. Yeah. Well, and from this scene, uh, Mowgli escapes again, but now he's all alone and he's realizing he's, you know, everyone's left him, or rather he's left everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, he's clearly depressed about it. He's also in some weird part of the forest where the sky is green and nothing is growing, so just as a way to... Well, uh... <laughs> but that's sort of foreshadowing, like, and then especially when he runs into the vultures, like right. symbols of death. That's true. But the vultures are a very silly ensemble. Uh, the vulture scene, I... This mo- this part of the movie bothers me so much. Yeah. Like, uh, they had an idea of well, they had they originally had the the vultures there. Mm-hmm. Then they thought, what if we could get the Beatles? Which makes sense. You're trying to make a big popular movie. They're the biggest thing going at the time. And they talked to their manager, and uh, you know the manager seemed to enjoy it. He went back to it, and John Lennon vetoed it because mm-hmm. he hates fun. I don't know if he also <laughs> vetoed so. the Beatles' Lord of the Rings that they were also going to do at one point. Um, that was for the best. <laughs> well, maybe, but if he vetoed two fun things, right. like then we'll know like, <laughs> whose fault it is. But anyway, but then they stuck with it. Um, they, they still have the Beatles kind of look about them and personality. Right, but they don't necessarily... One of them sounds like George Harrison, but the rest of them just sound, just sound English. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Then they originally were going to have, like, a Beatles version of their song, which you can hear on the... Uh, what's that on the Blu-ray? What that was, was just the DVD release. On the DVD release, you can hear the... Uh, we listened to it. It was quite different. <laughs> it was different, but it was, you know, it was, and it would have sounded better with the actual Beatles. Obviously. But 
they had a little retarded rhino friend that sang with them. Well, that was unfortunate, yes. In the original but, one who got cut from the final bit of the film. Yeah, Rocky Rhino, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Rocky Raccoon, which is a Beatles song. That would have made uh, more sense, although I don't think raccoons are native to India. Perhaps not. Anyway, so they abandoned that because Walt wanted to make the song more timeless than that. But it doesn't fit like the rest no. of this. Like, we in the story have had some... Jazz. Some jazz, and we've had some songs that sound like they could come from India, like with the intro song. Mm-hmm. And Pause, later on... Trusted Me a little bit. Yeah, and later on with the, the little girl song at the end, kind of has that same background music mm-hmm. uh, but then this barbershop song comes out of nowhere. It doesn't fit those characters. No, it this, doesn't. It's just a mess. This whole scene, and even as a little kid, I was like, this is kind of boring. Like, get to the tiger. It uh, does, but my counter-argument to that is I like the idea of the singing without any background. The acapella singing yeah. here, I think, fits this scene better than a random rock song would have. Because we're supposed to be depressed and alone. You know, in a part of the forest where seemingly no one's living and yeah. nothing is growing. And so it's just, you know, we're your friends. Welcome here. That's what this song is. But that's a confusing message. Like, I like, it could be dark and, and unsettling, like being a cappella mm-hmm. or whatever. But they're singing about being their friends. Like It is, but I don't know if Mowgli's meant to believe them. Okay. Because they are and not are they very good friends. True. They seem to be looking out for themselves. And are they friends because they think he's going to die and they're going to eat him? Like, we could do that. But uh, they yeah. don't do that. But no. they could have... Maybe Bill Pete would have done that with his darker version of I mean, of they did story. say they would lend a claw. Like, maybe that's... <laughs> that's true. Sort of subtly there. Like, mm-hmm. trust in me with Ka. Like, trust in me, uh, then I'm going to eat you. Like, Right. Well, I think it's... Be, but like, I don't... I don't I think it's like trying to listen to happier music when you're depressed. Like, Mowgli still feels kind of dead behind the eyes during this song. At the end, he starts, like, smiling and shaking hands. And but... I do like, at the end of the song, when the last line of the song is sung by Shere Khan. Very well, as well. Not actually sung by the guy who voices okay. Shere Khan, because he refused. He said, no, Shere Khan would never sing, he would never do this, I won't do it. Well, uh, and so I think the the film's director did it instead. I can respect uh, that, but whoever did sing has a very good voice. <laughs> right, it has a good voice, and saying it like I feel like Shere Khan would have done it. Like, yeah, it's uh, still very sinister. Like yes, his uh, his you know that's what friends are for line. But you're right, the barbershop quartet seems very strange. Yeah, and uh, out of place. But so then uh, he's confronted with Shere Khan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we didn't talk about the vultures and their annoying. So what you want to do? <laughs> you don't like that conversation? Once, twice, maybe. Yeah. Like they just keep. It does go for a while. I don't know what you want to do. Like, well, I get it, and I agree. But it was also probably a case of like we've been through a lot of heavy stuff. We're going to another heavy thing. We got to have some sort of laugh here for the kids. Was probably the thought process there, for better or worse. <laughs> Either way, so we have the confrontation, right? And Mowgli's got balls like right. he is he's not standing up to share he's just not he's just naive and doesn't i think it's both but it's he's like he said this whole movie i'm not afraid i'm not gonna run run away and then when he gets to the conversation uh, confrontation he sticks with his guns there he stands up and he says no i'm not running from you even when share Khan's like i'm going to count to 10 you should run it makes the chase right, more fun yeah and then Mowgli, during this, is like, no, and goes to grab a stick to fucking hit him in the face with. Right, but so, not that the stick would have been enough to... It wouldn't have, and he should have died and would have yeah. if there wasn't something else. Right, know, I mean... Another presence to come save him. 
is a dog brave for running in front of a car that's going by? Like, it does, no, it's not really brave. It doesn't know that the situation. Like that's true. But I don't, if Mowgli had said this whole time, I won't run, and then went, oh no, and ran. Like I don't know. Yeah, I kind of respect him for true. being like. And he does stand there, either it boldly standing there or frozen in fear, standing right. there when he does lunge at him. Unfortunately, Baloo grabs his uh, tail. I think as yeah. he's lunging for him and but keeps him you're right this is the most one-sided fight in history if baloo did not show up oh yeah. dead child and, and that's like, how it should have ended stupid End dead credits. child like, as well pow done <laughs> go home you should have listened yeah. <laughs> but baloo does arrive and uh even though he's doing his best to sort of keep Shere Khan busy, it's clear that even a fucking bear is no match for Shere Khan. Like, mm-hmm. he's just got him by the tail. He's trying to get Mowgli out of there. It's a sacrifice move as opposed to, like, a fight. Um, we get to see the return of Disney plot convenience lightning. Yes. Uh, Although we did at least do a little foreshadowing because when, uh, in the Barbershop Quartet song, it's like, we'll be there with lightning speed or something like that. That's when you first see lightning in the background. Yeah. Then it cuts to Shere Khan. There's more lightning in the background. And but it just so happens to strike this one tree out in the middle then of nowhere. fire happens. And then set everything on fire, which is the one thing that Shere Khan's afraid of. Right. Because it's not like, I mean, that's the thing. Mowgli doesn't actually have the the uh, the secret of man's red no, he flower. Doesn't. He doesn't know. Right. Well, he's also tin. Like, wow, well, would he know? Right, but it's not like he's a boy scout and like <laughs> right. knows how to start a fire in the woods if he needs to. But like, but even so, I like the different levels to this fight of like, okay, gonna kill Mowgli. Okay, now Baloo's got me. I gotta focus on him. Mowgli gets carried off by the vultures, uh, mm. and then Shere Khan's like, "Well, I can't get him. Now it's time to kill the shit out of Baloo," which he starts doing. Like, mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, pulls Baloo over his back, which I don't think a tiger would be able to do to a fucking like 1200 pound bear but uh pulls him over his back and then we just get the close-up of we just see Shere Khan's face but he's just swiping and swiping with the claws and as a side note I like that the claws were always the threat with Shere Khan like we don't focus on oh he's a big monster he's got big teeth like Mm -hmm. when he's threatening uh Kai, he's, he's always showing off the claws. Like tiger claws are death, is what we're, we've established. Mm. And uh, but even while the lightning is plot convenience, uh, it's not like the Wicked Queen in Snow White, where it's like lightning struck a cliff and now I'm dead. Lightning causes fire, and Mowgli's, uh, you know, his ingenuity of I need to, you know, adapt and figure this out. He realizes, I'm going to take this fire, I'm going to carry it over there, I'm going to tie it to Shere Khan's tail, and that's how Shere Khan is run off. And so it's still kind of a convenient death, but, I don't know, it's well... And we've established from the beginning that fire's what he's afraid of, and Mowgli doesn't know how to make fire, but it just sort of... Uh, by chance and Mowgli is good at using what's around him Mm -hmm. Um, and so I mean it all makes sense I wrote it was a well-booked death in my notes Uh, I don't know that he dies but he Uh, but his character is no longer a threat right in theory he would have started a forest fire when he ran away which I think he does in the in the remake in the the live action one I believe that's what happens (laughs) half the forest burns down but there's immediately a downpour so maybe that was how they established there you go that threat and so from there uh we get another disney death fake out yeah uh, similar to the end of lady and the tramp that's true because now baloo 
Blue made the sacrifice. He, you know, and maybe those work because they actually did it in Bambi. Like maybe, maybe. because you get that death there, you know, they might <laughs> do this to us. Like, Disney's done this before. Right. I wonder and maybe we'll that's get. why people were so upset by Mufasa's death. Of like, we've seen these fake out deaths, right. and then we didn't get that this time. Like, right. But we do get Bagheera arrives about ten minutes too late to be helpful. But right, yeah. he starts eulogizing Baloo while Mowgli's crying. <laughs> well, and B- Baloo is like winking and right. smiling. He wakes and, like, up and is listening to this, and he even says like, "Oh, I wish my mother could have heard this yeah. or something," because Bagheera's going on and on like this spot will live Hallowed on in the ground yeah, yeah. we're a he fallen does the warrior getting gettysburg address here <laughs> right. uh, celebrating baloo's life and then right he's like mowgli it's time we leave this place and that's when mowgli goes or that's when baloo goes don't stop now you're like, doing great yeah and then we get the happy reunion and uh you know everyone's alive everybody made it you know it's the next day i guess and we're walking away but then you know we're essentially we assumedly we're still going to be delivering to the man village but at this point it's Mowgli's decision because he sees a girl which how else would he come to that decision on his own that uh right and she's singing a song about going to get water mm-hmm. uh, which sort of mimics the uh, the oboe and clarinet that we heard at the beginning of the song yeah. and Mowgli is hypnotized right sort of like he was with Ka um, all over again <laughs> yeah like and I don't know what it says for female representation when it's basically just like, look at the girl. And Any then, girl. Right. Yeah. And also the song she's singing is like, one day I'll be a mother. Right. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. all she wants. But. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But yeah. it's at least booked well that, you know, the plot, the point of this is, you know, it's the call of nature. Like, he wants to be with his own people and he will presumably be attracted to girls sometime soon he's like 10 10, right but you know it's got the curiosity now and and even though blue blue knows this is best for him he still regrets it as he does walk away and is upset when she spills the water on purpose (laughs) he seemingly doesn't trust women in his own right like ah you don't want nothing they're nothing but trouble don't pay attention to her you don't want no part of this Dewey. Uh, with that, Mowgli follows the girl into the village. He sort of turns back and smiles at one point, I think, but he's clearly moving to the village and Bagheera and Baloo walk away, and I think Bagheera starts uh, the Bear Necessities sing-song to get Baloo to, uh, you know, No, no, Baloo, up. it's Baloo starts it because he he's like, alright, Bagheera, here we go. Nah, but this time, get with the beat. You know, <laughs> right. He starts well, Bagheera gets it, into yeah. it, but he does so get we get to it, see their story arc. You know, they've yeah. sort of met in the middle and they'll get to continue they their lives as a couple, I guess. <laughs> Felix and Oscar their way through the jungle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, the only nitpicky things uh, about the plot of this movie, it does kind of end. Like It does. There's no, like, it just well, kind of it's, it's after the fight has happened, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there's a way to, like, rework the fight where it would have transitioned into going to the village a little bit better. Like, unless man comes into if the jungle to the be the fight ones. sort of spills across the borders of the village and then they run off the tiger you said that and i just pictured like the stupid fucking family guy uh peter and chicken fight oh, like yeah. spilling into but the village yeah. between i don't know i mean Baloo i don't know how they could have done it but like this sort of feels like okay we're done and we don't Pretty have a much. plan so let's sing bare necessities again right like, well but we did get closure on a lot of characters still it did just kind of happen out of nowhere when you're right. Yeah. 
But I mean, and like I said, it was nitpicky. Like this right. uh, is going to be in easily in my top five uh, movies, and may stay there for a while. Probably will. Most definitely. But it uh, that part I feel, and sort of like with Mowgli looking cheap at times and reusing the animation. Yeah. Uh, those are things that it's going to lose points for, but. Uh, it's this is a fantastic movie absolutely very fun to watch and then like just sitting down to watch it this morning like i had a huge smile on my face which yeah trying to remember the last film i had that with that we've watched on these like oh boy i get to watch blank like because i didn't have that for sword in the stone dalmatians either really cinderella maybe yeah cinderella i was excited about um (laughs) that's about it i guess Alice in Wonderland, no. <laughs> Lady and the Tramp, I was, like, curious. And I enjoyed that more than yeah, I thought I would. Yeah. But it wasn't like, yeah. So. So what we do on the Dudes Watch Disney podcast is try to rank these movies. Uh, Based on six categories. Mm-hmm. I put up eight figures, but <laughs> six categories. It's, I mean, no one would have known because theater of the mind here. But, yeah, he, he definitely did <laughs> six. <laughs> they... Uh, the categories ostensibly all start with the letter M, but I didn't even bother to write those. So, uh, the first thing was is the matters, which uh, is the plot. We call mm-hmm. it the matters because we need an M. Uh, very good. Like all of my complaints are minor. There's some like repeaty bits where you know we have the second Ka interaction, and then like oh now Mowgli's running away again. And there's no women whatsoever. But it's, everything else is great. Like the story moves in a way that a lot of these other stories haven't. There's so many great little touches, and we have such a fun cast of characters. I went four and a half. Uh, I went five. Yeah. Even with my nitpicky thing about it just ending, uh, like we just talked about, uh, it's well-paced. Nothing even worth taking off half a point for. Or any no of those time, nitpicks. No time to get bored. Constantly changing, but not in an annoying way, like Alice in Wonderland. Right. Yeah, and, this is paced so much better than Alice in Wonderland is. Right, and if, you know, the the main point of the story is about all the threats that are in the jungle, you need to see a variety of threats, and you and need to we see do. them relatively quickly, mm-hmm. and each one needs to feel different than the other, and they do, and yeah. So, yeah. Big fan. Five Definitely. out of five. Music. Uh, if it, there was a few instances where I felt like we could have trimmed the fat on the music, yeah. because we put a lot of songs in this, and so many of them are great, we get a couple that are just pretty good, which, like, mm-hmm. trust in me, and I like We're Your Friends, but it does sort of not fit. So I went four and a half for music. There's a lot of jazzy fun, and Bare Necessities is such a classic. Mm-hmm. But there's a few things where if we'd trimmed a couple extra bits, it would have been a perfect score. Yeah, I, I gave it a four for the same reasons you were talking about. Uh, the opening credits, uh, the sort of the overture to the movie is yeah, fantastic. Great. Uh, so much nostalgia is right from that. Right. And I kind of wanted to hear it even shakier with like a VHS soundtrack yes, when I started like up. Some... Yeah. But uh, Bare Necessities, uh, Want to Be Like You, mm-hmm. those are all great. Like you said, the others uh, really kind of bring the, the score elephant down. Elephant March is great. But yeah. But yeah. the uh, Trust in Me and, and especially the, the Water Song and just kind of, yeah. eh. the The overture of... Uh, you know, the, like the melody of the is because especially when we get that, pretty much any time there's sort of any man discussion going on is great. Yes, but then you add on but the you lyrics add words to and it's it, not so good. Just sort of weird and woman's places in the home, right? Just not barefoot and pregnant. Yeah. Villain. So anyway, four out of five okay. on the music. Uh, the meanie, yes. Yeah, villain, the meanie, we call it. 
five. Yeah. Like, Shere Khan is the main villain, and he's fucking amazing. We establish so much about, you know, what he is before we even see him, and then when we do see him, we're real scared, and then... When he loses, he doesn't look like a pussy in the process. <laughs> like, right. Which is uh, an ironic choice of words, because he's a cat. But <laughs> So and, we, I mean, we have a rogues gallery here yeah. of villains, but he's definitely the main one, and mm-hmm. it has that aura about him, and isn't really beaten. Like he's Not really. Temporarily he's beaten by the fire, uh, but he's still going to be a threat out in the jungle for other people. Like, or not other people, other animals. It is kind of a Superman kryptonite situation of, like, I have this one thing that do not use against me. <laughs> oh no, it's the one thing. I'm in trouble. Right. But he's still amazing, even with that. And you're right. You know, he's still a vicious tiger in the jungle, and now he's even more pissed, so it seems like... And, and is going to hate man that much more. Right. And, yeah. So, yeah greatness there uh so the sequel of the, the jungle book 2 should be Shere khan strikes back and it should just be <laughs> it should be now he has an army of tigers i don't even think that's how tigers well no work. he's united all the villains and they're gonna you know they freeze blue and carbonite it's a whole thing <laughs> oh. yeah i could see that going well i don't know what the plot of jungle book 2 was but i'm assuming not that <laughs> sadly uh mise-en-scene uh i know i feel like you're gonna be cutting off a couple of points here and i did a half a point i went four and a half uh because yes there's some repeated animation even within the film itself there's things where you know we're we're clearly working on a budget but i think we try to mask that and uh even so i think the jungle itself feels very alive similar to bambi uh in that regard but Whereas Bambi felt like an enchanted, you know, forest of like, oh, happy creatures together. This feels like a real ass dangerous jungle. And I think we really got that across with the visuals, with the, you know, background noise and things like that. Like we, it feels like we're in a jungle in India and that's... It does, and with the inclu- inclusion of the uh, the ruins, yeah, uh, with the yeah, monkeys, the ruins. Those, we those didn't even talk about than those. the rest of the jungle, actually. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we didn't even talk about the ruins in the monkey scene, but that was really cool. And even there was a little bonus documentary on the Jungle Book DVD, which we watched a bit of this morning, and uh, talked about how these you know ancient uh, ruins that exist in India, which used to be like big temples. Uh, for the native people are now sort of just covered in jungle and actually lived in by monkeys and shits and like that's really cool and creative that they put that in this I mm-hmm. thought so uh, yeah like you said I, I did mark it down for sort of the reuse of the animations uh, part of it you know there are times where Mowgli looks a little cheap um, some of the backgrounds like you mentioned Bambi but the forest in Bambi look great and there are times in this where, like, the things in the foreground look pretty good, and the back looks like mm. a, like, painted-on set. Like, uh, Question, did you watch the Blu-ray of this? Uh, no. Okay. Never mind. I was going to say, because I didn't pick up on that so much, but maybe you were watching a higher quality, but <laughs> never mind. But, uh, I mean, I think, I mean, what, what's close looks good. Some of the stuff in the distance looks a little... Mm-hmm. Eh. But, I mean, minor things, and not nothing that would, like, take you out of the, the movie in any right. way, but... Uh, so, I mean, I gave it a three and a half. I'd say it definitely didn't feel as cheap as the previous two films we watched before this. We're in the, we're in the Xerox era now, but I feel like yeah. this had a little more of the polished touch Which to makes it. sense. Like, they've done a few movies that way. They've worked out some mm-hmm. of the kinks uh, from, from that process. Moving on. Uh, the message. Uh, there's a lot of good messages here that we do 
a good job of sort of reinforcing with the story we're telling. We don't just say like a Jiminy Cricket kind of thing of even you have to grow up, you have to take responsibility. It doesn't sound fun, but over time you'll see the importance. Like we show that very well, even and especially well executed in and around the song Bare Necessities of like, look how carefree you can be. Wait, there's danger. You know, we need to learn these lessons. We need to know it's time to grow up and when it's time to uh, take responsibility. And I think that's well executed. I don't think like the women's places in the kitchen message that sort of creeps its way in as much fun. Uh, so things like that. Or the uh, fact that female characters don't get to speak that for too. the most part of the movie. And th- so those are... There's not a p- place for women in this movie, and that's still a little disappointing. And so because of that, I took off a point and gave it four. Uh, I gave it three. Uh, I know that I said earlier that it's good that several characters go on a journey in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mowgli goes on a physical journey in this movie. I don't know how different Mowgli is by the end of this movie. Like That's true. He doesn't necessarily accept that he needs to go to the village. He sees a pretty girl and forgets that he likes to be in the jungle. That's not the same as, I understand why you're doing this for me and I agree to go now. Like, yeah. uh, he just sort of, he's still that motivated. Is a good point. No, he's a 10 year old. So That's obviously. What I was say. <laughs> but uh, he's very much motivated by what right. he wants to do and what's fun to him. And he thought hanging out with that girl seemed fun. We got him to the right place, even if he doesn't necessarily know the or understand the reason behind it. But I think he's. But I don't know, like with the message like i feel like sometimes like that's supposed to be what you as a normal kid or normal person Mm -hmm. can take from this uh from watching this movie what can you apply to your own life or whatever so like in cinderella you can learn the lesson of being nice to other people and working hard and maybe it'll eventually pay off you know and so that would be something that i gave like a five to in its message right i don't know if i gave it a five or not but i gave it a high (laughs) score in its message but what can i mean the jungle is dangerous and but i don't know so i don't know what i gave it a three for its message it's okay i feel like it could have had a stronger message if mowgli had realized he needed to grow up well do you think the blue death fake out like do you think he'll mature some from that we don't get to see much of him after that so it's hard to tell if i feel like if we had taken i know we had lots negative to say about the way females were portrayed in peter uh, peter and the pan <laughs> peter pan yes but wendy is aware that she has to grow up and is aware that things have to change right and she should be around the same point in her life as as mowgli maybe she's a little bit older hmm. so if you know he had been in that same position maybe that would have made it for a stronger message i can see that yeah but anyway i gave it a three all right, and then we get to the magic. Uh, the magic is sort of a summing up of the previous categories and also just, like, I've talked so much about the nostalgia of this movie and the art and the music and the story, it all comes together so well for me. So I gave it a five out of five on magic. I love this movie. I, yeah, I mean, I, I love this movie too. I didn't, I couldn't give it five out of five because... While I feel like it's a magical movie, there's not actually any small M magic in the movie. Yeah. Uh, there's no, like, you know, a wish or a spell or any of those things that happen. Uh, so, I mean, I'd be Being Disney of, magic, you would kind of want something like that. You would expect like something yeah. like that. Now, that said, each of the characters in this movie has his or her own, per- well, not her, has <laughs> right. his own personality. Right. 
uh, you know, and you feel like you understand who these characters are from, you know, the, the minute they appear on screen, or even yeah. before they appear on screen in the case of Shere Khan. Absolutely. But you understand yeah. why Bagheera does the things uh, that he does. You understand why Baloo is the way he is. And you can be carefree yeah. when you're massive and no one's going to mess with you. Right. Um, but Mowgli doesn't have that same advantage. Uh, Colonel, Colonel Hati is ridiculous, but you, you know, you feel... You understand these characters right away, and you can appreciate that. And that's where the real magic from this movie comes from. There's a dreaming dog over here. So, but that's that's what the the magic comes from uh, to to me. Now, uh, not to put you on the spot because I don't remember, but uh, I want to say you had very high things to say about the Bambi magic score when we did uh, Bambi, and that didn't have much small m magic either. For Let, uh, <laughs> it's in a different notebook. Oh. <laughs> you flip flopping. <laughs> well, not to go political on you, but but Bambi has, and this applies more to message than magic. But mm. there are lessons that you can share with it. Right. You could. It's about growth and growing up. Yeah, I think Bambi. Um, I don't know what I gave its message score, but it does execute a lot of those things better than. And this some film of that does, can bleed over into magic too, yeah. uh, where and it's a happier it. forest, so that feels more magical. I'd say outside of this mom dying. <laughs> Yeah, and it being burned down by hunters who are just hunting for anything. It's happy in the first half hour. Okay, yes, that's true. Uh, so what was the magic score? I gave it four. Like, I yeah. didn't mark it way down. I just, okay. you know, didn't go full on. Also, it was going to have more points than, than Cinderella, and I didn't want it to that's be true. number one. I think I gave it the same score as Cinderella, as, or same magic score, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think we're going to have a, a first here on this podcast, but would you like to give your total score? Uh, yeah, so uh, five for Matters, five for Meanie, three and a half for Mies, three for Message, four for Music, four for Magic. That adds up to 24 and a half and places it in second place uh, on my list. My top five now are Bambi, Peter Pan, Snow White, uh, Jungle Book, and then uh, my number one movie, Cinderella. All right, well, my scores were four and a half Matters, uh, four and a half Music, five Villain, four and a half Mies, four message and five magic which adds up to 27 and a half out of 30 which is the first time i've given something a higher score than you have yeah how about that okay and a higher score than i've given anything it only took 13 movies but that's my highest score too 27 and a half my previous well we'll do my top five as well number five was 101 dalmatians number four was lady and the tramp number three was snow white number two now is cinderella which had 23 and a half and jungle book is my number one movie with 27 and one half points how about that 27 and one half dusty muzzles out of 30 is what i wrote dusty muzzles that's what the colonel harty says when he's doing the inspection i couldn't oh, think of anything okay you got anything well either? i gave it uh you know 24 and a half you don't need to use the claw when you <laughs> pick a claw with the big papa exactly there you go and with that we have finished the jungle book great film had a lot of fun if you want to go back and look through our archives you mm-hmm. should check out our new best of episode which may not actually be new by the time this comes out but yeah. still worth checking out you can you know i have a, two other films to put out before we get to this one but you get yes. an idea of what uh, what to expect, or what you, if you haven't listened to our, first of all, you should listen to all of our episodes, but if you want to listen to the Best Of episode, you get an idea of what we had to say about each of the, mm-hmm. the first a good discussion. Films. We're going to try to do those every ten films, you know, sort of a retrospective discussion of comparing and contrasting the things 
we've just covered. And uh, So in the second set of ten, we've done... Uh, so far we've done 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, and Jungle Book here in, in season two of the Dudes Watch Disney podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so up next from here, we've got... Uh, the next film is Aristocats. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's is another fun one. I uh, always love that That movie. we loved as a child and just learned in the last couple years that our mom couldn't stand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maybe we should invite her to uh, share her thoughts on this yeah, podcast. Similar to uh, for a long time for her birthday or for Mother's Day or whatever, we would get her a certain scent from Bath and Body Works called Sweet Pea that we thought that she liked because we just went in, get the Sweet Pea shit and get out of here. Like, we were dudes in a lotion store. Like, right. we don't know what we're doing. And so we got her that for like 10 years <laughs> before one day she sat us down and was like, boys, we need to talk. <laughs> like, she didn't even, no, she mentioned it like when me and her were getting lunch. You weren't even there, I don't think. Oh, well, and I was no, just so like, there was two times? Because there was one time oh. she talked about it in the in the guest room at her house or oh, whatever. I remember that. Uh, where, yeah, and because I didn't know what it could be. And then, then she was like, <laughs> I just, I just don't really like sweet pea. And I've been giving thought... it away each time you've given it to me. I trade it with someone at work. And if you're going to get me Bath and Body Works stuff, don't get me sweet pea. Because <laughs> like... I, I remember maybe I didn't have, but wasn't there for that conversation. Because I, I, I had the lunch thing. And then afterwards I had to like call you up. And we're like, we screwed up. It's been 10 years of this shit. <laughs> Either way, we messed it up all the way around. But anyway, back to Aristocats. <laughs> uh, big fan. Big fan of Aristocats. Very fun. You know, I hear that everybody wants to be a cat. Not me. No. No. Not not, not a really cat person. Although I do like that video on you know the well, that cat video on the internet. But <laughs> so descriptive. Shit, it's another fucking day. It's the best <laughs> day ever again. Yep. That's that's a good one. And uh, so yeah, that is our thoughts on the Jungle Book. Holy shit! It's gonna take me a long time to edit this episode. Well, you know, we talked to. About some wrestling that probably won't make it, and we talked about. Let us know if you enjoyed the Choose Your Own Adventure. There's plenty of these books we could pick up more if we need to. So, uh, or even if we don't pick them up, if you're interested in them, you know, check them out. Uh, Definitely, probably good for the kids. Yeah, on well, you know, we don't for know. your own <laughs> your own pleasure. Who knows? But they're on the uh, they're on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I guess we'll wrap this up. Thanks again for listening to Dudes Watch Disney. I am Jake. I'm Dustin, and we are dudes. I mean, done. I mean, dudes who watch Disney. Yep. Dudes watch Disney. Watching dudes. Wait. Wait. Uh, dudes. Bye. Talking snack. Yeah, yeah. Talking snack. Yum, yum. Talking snack. Uh-huh. Let's talk about some snacks. Hey! I got three gift cards for my birthday to yeah. fast food places. Yeah, I gave you two. Oh, yeah? Okay. So I got a... I wasn't sure where they all came from, who specifically, but I got a McDonald's and a Dairy Queen and a Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Finished the Taco Bell one today. It went first. So nice. Taco Bell won the triple threat there. I was going to suggest we go there for lunch, but okay. Oh, well, that was breakfast today. <laughs> well, it's not the same. That's true. You just have to go to the same drive-thru twice in one day. Might have to find a different Taco Bell. <laughs> They'll remember me. I know it. Hot Taco Bell is something I can't get at home. <laughs> so I live about 15 minutes from the Taco Bell. And so, you know, I have to wait. I don't eat. Here's the thing he we need to talk about. He doesn't have a Taco Bell in his town. He has yeah. to drive to a neighboring town to get Taco Bell. Here's the thing we should discuss. This is something that's different about me and Jake. Uh, when I go to any fast food place, whether it's 15 minutes from home or if it's just, you know, two or three minutes from home... I will not eat anything out of the bag until I get back home. Not even French fries. Not it's a, the worst. Not a French fry. I leave the bag. I roll it up as much as possible to keep it warm. <laughs> Which it won't do in a 15-minute drive. Well, warmish, And it's been warmer than some of the fries we've gotten from our closer-to-home <laughs> McDonald's. Right. But anyway, 
I won't eat it until I get home. I'm very disciplined about this. Don't even consider eating it. It's not like it's like a challenge. Like, no, I can make it. It's just, I can't wait to get home and eat this. Right. Here's the thing. I don't know if you have this issue. Uh, I can't eat until I find something to watch. <laughs> like, I'll get food in my lap, and then I'll either be flipping channels on the TV or searching the internet to start a thing. There are times uh, where I have set up something to watch, hit pause on it, gotten in the car, <laughs> gone to get Smart whatever move. I'm going to eat, Smart come move. back, unpause, mm-hmm. here we go. Sit down with your little Caesars hot and ready and watch some King of the Hill. I've done that several times. Usually it's something on the network for me, but okay. I was going to suggest we get uh, sit down Mexican food for dinner or possibly lunch tonight or whichever one. Lunch tonight. <laughs> whatever. Uh... I don't know what's. I don't know if you want means. that and Taco Bell and me having Taco Bell for breakfast in the same day. I don't care. Let's see. Well, but you didn't. So, but you do eat your fast food things. Oh, that's true. That started as a college thing, I think, when I didn't have a car and yeah. I would be uh, riding with my friend Will. We used to, first year of college, uh, rather than going out to parties and having fun or anything like that, it'd be like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night, and we'd be like, we got nothing to do. All right. Let's go drive around, and we would drive around, uh, be a lot of smoking, cigarettes done, and we would usually end up getting, like, 10.30 at night Wendy's or McDonald's or something, and then just yeah. sit and eat it in the parking lots. Yeah. And we were party animals. Yeah. <laughs> a similar thing, my second year, I didn't, the first year in college, I ate only in the cafeteria and was very disciplined about the, <laughs> Disciplined uh, the eater. Yeah. But <laughs> the second year, uh... Would still eat in the cafeteria, but then would go get then do uh, the late night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I might even stay up till midnight, which is something I would never do now. No. Like, But, you know, we'd be like, yeah, I'm going to Taco Bell. You want to go with me? And I just loved to car ride. I was a lot <laughs> like a dog. Like, hey, we're going car ride? Okay. And so I would just ride in the car and mm-hmm. go to the uh, Taco Bell, McDonald's, whatever. Uh, you also will eat in the parking lot of the fast food place, yeah, which that's, is not that's really what would a happen. thing. Uh, I've done, like, once, maybe, but this is a thing you, like, routinely do. Are, you're not comfortable eating inside the fast food restaurant? Well, I've gotten or... more into that doing that now uh, than in previous years, but, you know, I, I will occasionally go eat alone somewhere. Like, I thought about doing it this past week because I needed dinner, but then I also needed to go to the grocery store. But mm-hmm. I was too hungry to grocery shop first. So mm-hmm. then you I was buy like, everything in the store. I want to go get Taco Bell. And then I drove to Taco Bell and got the quesadilla uh, value meal and, like, then ate that on my way to the grocery store. I'm mm-hmm. just like, well, I mean, put this quesadilla in But that's in eating on the way somewhere. You would right. go and just sit in the parking lot and eat. That was a thing. I don't do that so much anymore. Maybe it's just because most places I go, I'm either close to... Uh, I did it once because, uh, recently, because there is a Burger King next to a frozen custard place, and so I wanted to park. eat... Park. That's park. where you need to be. <laughs> eat the Burger King, not go inside. I don't want to waste time talking to <laughs> right. people if I don't have to. Uh, then go get the, the custard right. once we finish. Well, I think that's how that started, is... Uh, who's talking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's how that started, is it would be late night, you know, a lot of times the indoor part of the restaurant would be closed. I've had people turn the sign off on me as I'm pulling into the parking oh. lot before, which is bullshit. Oh. You know what else is bullshit? Okay. Before could I be complete, could be anything. complete this thought. Uh, I don't know if anyone out there has been getting the fast food apps. Every fast food place tends to have an app now. Like, I've got, I've got the Taco Bell one and the... Uh, uh, Subway one both on my phone which are useful because like hey I can just place my order and I can roll up into the restaurant and then it'll be ready when the I Subway get there. Subway one is really nice you pay on the app too you just walk up and they hand you sandwiches you go to the front of the line. Like, it's nice 
but every place I've tried it at, the workers look at me like they have no idea what the hell's going on. You gotta, you gotta come to my subway. They, I know I That one to. time we did it, it worked fine. We didn't even order it. We put my wife in charge of ordering it. <laughs> yep. We just showed up, and we're like, <laughs> hey, we sandwiches. ordered something, and they were like, here you go. But no, because, like, uh, I, I don't know if I've explicitly stated this in the podcast before, but I'm a mailman, so I do a lot of my lunch out on the job, and then I gotta go get back to work. And so, like... I was in a habit of, like, let me order on my way to the restaurant, and then it'll be ready when I get there and get right back to my route to eat. And then I would walk in and just, like, stand there. I wouldn't, it might have helped if I had talked to somebody, but I'd just walk in, there's a line, I'll stand at the back. Surely they'll call my name at some point. And then, like, I stood there for, like, five minutes, and finally the lady was like, what do you want? (laughs) And I was like, I already ordered. Where's it at? And they're just like, oh. And so, hmm. And the same thing happened at Subway. Like, a guy, I guess maybe he was new to the job or something. There was no one in the restaurant, and I guess this little ticket printer just printed up a sandwich order, and he was like, what the hell? And, <laughs> and then I walked in, like, did you make it yet? <laughs> Apparently well, no. he hadn't. I didn't, I didn't know where it came from. It came, like when Jim was sending Dwight messages from the future <laughs> on the office. Yeah, it's a lot like that. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you made your big, uh, your big dick pizza <laughs> order from the pizza. You can't <laughs> not give context to that. Uh, on the app, you can name your favorite order. Right, you can save an order to your favorites and name it, apparently, whatever you want. So I called it Big Dick Pizza, and I was gonna put, like, XXX at the end, but I ran out of space. Yeah. Uh, you, you didn't I, go with Big Sausage Pizza, which is well, an actual porn website. On it. Okay. So it would be a misnomer. All right. And I don't like to fuck with my pizza head because one, <laughs> one time they just gave me a pizza. Big, big pizza? What do you mean you don't like to fuck with your pizza? <laughs> one time they just gave me a pizza with just pineapple on it and nothing else. Oh, and, and then we pizza. walked, we got home and went, where's the ham? And then we had to drive back up there and go, give us some ham, please. They just sprinkle it on top. No, they just gave oh. us a little takeout container of like... Really? With, with ham in it. And we're like, thank oh, you, okay. bye. Uh, they didn't even give you any money back like just here's a thing of ham i mean they might have offered to make a new pizza but we were like we really just want some ham to put on this pizza <laughs> it's stupid it is stupid <laughs> anyway so you named it big dick pizza i did did it say that on the receipt once they uh, uh... no but when i went in there i placed the order and then after you place the order it's like do you want to save this order so maybe on the next order <laughs> mm. A big dick pizza order so is. Wait, they don't even deliver. You had to go in and get it. Well, I wanted it. I wanted to go in and get it because it costs less. And oh, okay. Is my Pizza Hut is like a two minute drive from my house, so that was the reason. Also, I had to go to the store, so I did that too. <laughs> okay. Went to the store, got water. I got it now. Went yeah, to the pizza, got pizza. A big dick pizza order is a thin crust, medium uh, pepperoni lovers, and then also a thin crust. Or no, and then a. A pan crust, medium, uh, pepperoni, sausage, and mushroom. Or, yeah, pepperoni, sausage, mushroom. And also a cheese bread. So, everyone knows my pizza order now. Very nice. We have had uh, similar issues with our... Not similar to what he was talking about, but Jake and I have each had similar issues with our local Little Caesars branches mm. where while they advertise that their crazy bread is hot and ready it's literally never either one <laughs> yeah and, and so we keep having to order other things instead because you could wait you could but what's the point when Here's you're the advertising and, hot and ready and I like Caesars a lot and I enjoy the hot and ready and all I'm not trying to you know talk 
bad about them too much. But I do find that, that while they advertise things to be hot and ready, they don't act like they feel bad when things no. are not ready. And no. there's no like, oh, it wasn't ready. You get it for four dollars <clears throat> instead right. of five. Sorry, or, have an extra crazy bread. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I feel like if you don't have what you advertise, you should do something to make it right for the customer. Like that time I went to Wendy's and was like, I want a four-piece nugget or something, and they're like, we don't have any ready right now. You have to wait. And I was like, okay. And they were like. Well, it's ready now. Uh, we gave you an extra four-piece nugget, too. And I'm like, can I sign up for this every time? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll wait five minutes for twice the food. Yeah, I mean, but even if you don't want to double up the food, like, it's $4 because it wasn't ready or something. Or you get a free Here's two. A coupon. Here's a two-liter because you had to wait or yeah. something. But you should at least act like you feel bad and not, you know, no, it's not ready. Yeah. No, we ain't got that today. Like... <laughs> All right. I think the guy last time I went was like, well, I can get you the, like, he's a, like, like, dealer or something. Yeah. He's like, I can get you the pizza, but it's going to be a 15-minute wait on the crazy bread. And I was like, kiss my ass. <laughs> give, right. me, give me cheesy Italian bread instead. Right, which, of course, costs more, so it's better for them to give you that, but... It's uh, all it's all scheme. See, now, I have been buying the extra most bestest uh, pizza <laughs> at the Caesars, but Jake is, uh, apparently, he draws the line there. You won't I'm order not ordering that. something with that stupid of a title. It this is, is why I don't it get is the really yummy, though. It is, it is a chickens. lot of uh, pepperoni on there compared to their average pizza. I got a deep dish last time I went. I don't normally get their deep dish. But that's good stuff. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess that's been Talking Snack. Hope you like our new theme song we got. Yeah, we worked hard on it. One take. Yeah, one take. <laughs> and then I had to edit it to make it sound like we took more than one well, take. Not one take with the music going. Right. It was, hey, here's a song you've heard before. <laughs> See if you can do it. We'll just stare at each other and clap <laughs> intermittently. Right. <clears throat> well, it's definitely like... <laughs> On the audio track, it was definitely like one second where I say talking snack, and then like a half second after where you go talking snack. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I know. We didn't <laughs> like. Let alone we try again. No, instead <laughs> no. I just cut off my half second. So you start on talking and I start on awkin, but it worked. Perfect. Nailed it. Now you know my editing secrets. Yeah, <laughs> but we did work really hard on our other theme song uh, that took several takes and. We should probably re-record it at some point, because it doesn't so. sound great quality anymore. Well, it could only sound so good. It is us uh, singing it. Right. <laughs> but anyway, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Jake. Thank you for listening to Talkin' Snack. We'll see you next time with snacks. I don't know. We, and dudes. Do we have a better sign out for a Talkin' Snack sign out? I'm full. With a snack snack paddywhack. Perfect. <laughs> Bye. Whatever. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Jake here, reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, Please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to be talking about are The Aristocats and Robin Hood. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or, the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye! Bye!